Welcome to Wing Talk from the INAP Fixed Wing Group. Now here is your host, Steve Schlesinger. Hey everybody, welcome to Wing Talk. This is a special episode of Wing Talk today. It's Radio Radio. It's a radiothon, but even more important, just whoa, 24 hours ago, we had INAP 3.0, the first release candidate, drop. And I'm sure you want to know everything there is to know about INAV 3.0 um, and how you get it on your plane and how to get this release candidate going for you. So Mark Hoffman has stayed up all night last night making sure that you know everything you need to know before you go out flying. So he'll be on shortly to discuss it. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank you all for hanging in there. Uh, we had technical difficulties. We were doing the show in German to start off with. And it was going great, but we decided maybe we should stick to English. Um, so we are now <laughs> back live and everything's going once again. Um, anyway, we are today, we are going to talk also ex to the extreme about the wonderful uh, world of radios with um, Darren. Darren's going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting today. But first, my co host. And partner in crime, Luke, what's going on, babes? Uh, they're, they're saying we're very quiet. Is yeah, I'm still I'm still trying to fix that and to getting louder. Louder. Is it getting louder now? It's getting louder. Okay. So, Luke, um, what we're going to need today is to have you, like, man the microphones. M I mean, me to man, man, the, man, the, man the chat, I should say. Okay, I'll man the chat. I'll man the chat. Because we're going to have uh, questions coming through quite often. Mark's going to be doing a lot of talking to start here. So I was wondering if you could do that. Yeah, okay. chat, chat will be my responsibility for today. What's your screen name <laughs> on this chat, by the way? What's that? What's my? Yeah, is it, is it Luke or is it? are you like a fluffy kitten or something like that? Oh, no, it's just Luke Asabato. Yeah, just, just my full name. <laughs> okay, so they know who you are. <laughs> Nothing too exotic, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, speaking of fluffy kitten, um, we're checking in with the monthly growth of your hair because you're not shaving the or uh, cutting off the hair until you're out of lockdown, which is what June twenty first, you said. Yeah, June twenty first. It's looking like at the moment. Uh, I had a, a joke, uh, a bet with some friends from school uh, that I wasn't going to cut my hair until we're fully out of all the lockdowns here in the UK. So it has now been, you know, five years or whatever since the first coronavirus lockdown it feels like so what's uh, the hair going to be look like after june 21st is it going to be like a buzz cut like what mark I and i no are yeah i may shave it off completely that'd be awesome yeah maybe who knows who knows <laughs> you'll be wearing baseball caps the rest of the year until all grows back but it, it, it grows back beautifully speaking of somebody who's had long hair for a very long time is none other than darren darren what's going on man Oh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> now people can hear us. It's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my lockdown probably started when I was about 15, 16. <laughs> oh, he Henrik saying uh, the sound is still off a bit, maybe. Yeah, I have already boosted the uh, system sound by 200% right now, but it's still quieter than I am is, a little bit, is, but I can dial down better? my volume. No, no, it's it's not by it's not uh, because of you, it's Steve. Not this at all, okay. But I can dial down my volume, so now the people can raise their output volume, and we are around the same level. I hope okay. that helps. So yeah. sorry for that, guys. Um, I don't want to mess too much with it right now. 
Uh, so I hope this is okay. So just put your volume a little bit louder. I have made the chat, uh, the guys and me on this around the same level now. I haven't touched a okay. thing. We all sound brilliant. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I was going to ask you, Darren. I had a um, uh, been invited. I bought a used Bixler three from somebody who wanted sixty dollars and a penny for it. Oh, and yeah, I wrote him back. That penny that just pushes it over. I think. <laughs> yeah, I I wrote him back. I said I'm not going to pay over a penny over sixty dollars for this plane, and I didn't. But anyway, um, so the guy said, a wonderful guy, and he said, "Hey, I got this flying group at a local high school. I want you to come join." And I go out there, and it's just been great. I have seven demo seven. Who's that YouTube vlogger? He's part of the group. Uh, it's Jeff Yang. And um, great bunch of guys, and they're all line of sight pilots. A couple guys fly FPV, but no one's like doing INAP quite yet. Um, so they're called the Sunday Funday Flyers. I want to give them a shout out because they're a great bunch of guys. But and thanks for having me. Um, so that's why I've been seeing them like the Draco show up and things like that that are not normally on my radar. Um, what I've noticed though is like the guys will come out and they have a cart and they'll have like five planes on the cart and they bring them out and it's kind of like. They fly about 60% eh, of the time and BS about the other 40% of the time. So is that what the funny farm is like? No. Uh, well, I've only been there once. Uh, there's a lot of BS, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of flying, uh, a lot of crashing into each other. And yeah, that does just have a massive laugh, to be honest. I mean, when, when I went, it was really quite windy, so it wasn't optimal. But no, it's, I mean, Luke and I are also in the same flying club locally mm. and that's pretty similar you go there 60 percent of the time flying the rest of the time you're sort of talking yeah um, yeah but yeah now the funny farm is a bit more flying involved but i don't know i quite like the community aspect as well especially if you're sharing stuff helping each other out yeah i think yeah. a lot of the reason i like going to the club is because you get to talk to people that kind of thing it's otherwise you know i can just go flying on my own somewhere so yeah, in the United States, we, I don't know what it's like there, but in the United States, everything that's Horizon Hobby tends to be like, like the king. Uh, that's like the coolest thing ever. And so that uh, Draco is all they can talk about right now. So it does look quite cool. It, I, I got to agree. I, I, I'd be talking about it if I had one. <laughs> oh, it, it's a cool looking plane. I just, yeah, seven demo seven. You flew it and you made it, and then he gets in his car and he's like, I don't know. I'm not quite sold on it yet. I have to like it didn't take with me instantly, so I had to give it a few more tries. So we'll report back if anything changes. But it's it's a cool plane. I mean, it has shock absorbers on it, and it looks like um, I just kind of thinking like it's kind of a designed to be a pylon plane. So it's probably for really short dynamics. What he said was that when as soon as you turn the power off, and it goes right down. So. And I would, I would anticipate that's the way that the plane is designed because if you're flying pylons, you don't want a lot of uh, lift. I would imagine you don't it's want to really stay up in the pylon. Plane. It's like a bush plane, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a pylon plane. It's for short takeoffs, very short. Well, the original Draco was like extremely short takeoff and landing, wasn't it? And yeah, have you seen the the original Draco, Steve? Yes, that yeah. you have. Yeah, the one that it's modeling. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Perfect. Not not a pylon plane. No, not a pylon. <laughs> pylon's going fast, isn't it? Between two or three points yeah. as fast as possible. In There's... fact, I, I venture to say it might even be about as far as you can get from a pylon plane. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so we're going to be talking about radios today uh, with Darren, and so we can get into that in a while, but we're going to go out and kind of go over what, and, and Darren's been on this uh, kind of, I don't know, almost like a rant recently where it's like anything will work with iNav as long as you want to hook it up. So yeah, we're going to talk about... I'll get my DX6i out. <laughs> <laughs> you can get that working with the iNav, right? You can arm and disarm. <laughs> That's about it. You got two yeah. switches. <laughs> you could use a rudder switch something if you're flying a wing. <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, in the meantime, we've got I think kind of like the biggest news of the year. This is going to be it. Um and I don't know, it seems like I know 3.0. I know we've been talking about it for quite a while and a lot of people can't quite I mean, we've heard about it. It seems like it's hyped up a lot because it is so different from everything we've had before. Um, and it's going to be the most, I think, important update we will have to iNav in the history of iNav. I don't know. I wasn't around for iNav 2.0 when we went from 1.9 to 2.0 or whatever. But with this one, we went from 2.6 to 3.0. We just switched Miss 2.7, altogether. So um, we're going to figuring out why this is so important, why we decided to go to 3.0, and kind of all the new features in it. And so here to help us break this down is Mark Hoffman. Mark, how are you doing today? As he gets a drink in his hands. <laughs> yeah, hi guys. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, as you said before, a little bit tired because I had a long night. Started to record a video for my channel today and then I totally messed it because uh, my phone went into overheat <laughs> during the recording and I didn't recognize. No, but uh, all good. And uh, yeah, we will have to uh, a lot of stuff to discuss about uh, INA 3.0, I think. And this is really a very big and important update for many be many people. Okay, so fantastic. We're going to get into that right now, Mark. Um, what is it, uh, first of all, we should preference this by, you know, um, maybe this isn't quite the first thing you want to do when you're done watching this is go put iNav and 3.0, the release candidate one on all your planes. Uh, say, say again, please. Uh, I didn't quite okay. uh, got the uh, <laughs> got what you're asking me. Okay, it, if this is after we're done watching this, you know, maybe you shouldn't be putting this on all your planes. Maybe you should put this on a few planes that you were willing to test it out with, especially the first release candidate of this 3.0. Uh, yes, people. People can, of course, uh, t uh, test it for for themselves. That's actually no problem. The uh, main things should work. So I've already heard from someone in the group uh, that auto launch was fine. It uh, plane was flying fine, but there could still be bugs. So there's uh, people should be a little bit careful when they when they try it and watch out for bugs and uh, other things that could possibly happen and of course report them on github not on facebook it's not re really helpful we can discuss it on facebook in the group but uh, the bugs should be reported on github well one of the things i wanted to bring up as far as bug reporting is concerned is like sometimes some people in the group are pretty new and they don't to this whole thing and they maybe not another way around github um if you're experienced at github then by all means go ahead but in the past, what I've noticed that people will report bugs that have already been reported on. And so if you're going to report a bug, it's up to you to kind of go on to 
the GitHub page and see if someone else has reported that bug? Uh, yes, that's, that can happen, of course. And uh, if that happens, uh, usually you should search for keywords you have. Like if you have a failure in waypoint mission mode, for example, you should search for waypoint and search for tickets that are already open during the last days or weeks. Okay, perfect. Usually, usually in the, during the last days, uh, because, yeah, I know a 3.0 release candidate was just published. It is really quite easy to do that. Just um, if you go to GitHub, go to the RNAV firmware, well, if, if the bugs in firmware, do it on firmware. If it's in configurator, go to the configurator part of GitHub. But if you click on the issues uh, button, there's a like a text box at the top and it will have like open and a few little bits like that. So in there, you can just type the keyword you're looking for. For example, the waypoints, press enter and it will actually bring it up on screen. So it's, it's not a, a difficult thing to, to do. It's quite, quite simple. Um, if you're not as experienced with it too, you can also come to the group and kind of start talking about what the issue is. And if it's a serious bug, we will help. I'm getting echo right now, Luke. There we go. Sorry about the thing. Um, if there's a serious issue with it, then like we can pretty much help you to figure out how to phrase it because sometimes people will write in and say stuff like, I, I tried I know 3.0 and it flew funny. And like, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> we, we have nowhere to go with that. You know, like, you know, you got, we need more specifics. So, but the thing is, if you come to the group and we can kind of like help you boil it down, then we can figure out if it's a real issue, an issue you're having with your plan in particular, or if this is a general bug. But more importantly, we should get onto the point that there's some major changes in this release, and Mark's going to go over all these things right now. Yeah, I have a I have a big list here um, with a lot of changes that uh, I picked uh, from the GitHub page, and I don't think that we can go over all of it. And we also uh, discussed a few things in the past already, so uh, we we won't go too deep into details right now. But um, yeah, I've I've put it into sections. Uh, Darren also has the list, so he can follow up here if he uh, if, if he wants. And um, let's talk about first about uh, tuning stuff. I think that's most important, especially for uh, beginners. So the whole tuning process of INAV was massively changed and uh, simplified. Um, a lot of people may know uh, the guides I have uh, on, or we have on INAVFixedStreamGroup.com and uh, there are a few steps you have to do before you are completely done with the tuning and a few of these steps are not even necessary anymore. Like um, the first thing uh, INAV 3.0 has is a continuous servo trim or what it will get. So you don't have to do auto trim anymore if you don't want to. You just enable the continuous servo trim and this will permanently automatically adjust the uh, center point of the servos. So no trimming needed, just enable it, go fly. And as soon as you release the sticks, the servos will automatically trim uh, to the correct center point. That's a really important thing because uh, this 
reduces the number of battery packs you need to fly from uh, maiden to final tune from two to one actually <laughs> it's probably worth saying though you still want it flying nice in manual before doing this it's that's really that. just sort of a fine tuning yeah thing. this isn't a replacement for manual it's just a replacement for the auto trim and stuff Yes, it's a, that's the point. It's an auto trim replacement. So as soon as you enable this feature, this uh, continuous uh, servo trim, then the auto trim uh, mode from the mode stub will disappear. It's like with launch mode. It's the same principle. And mm. uh, so you basically turn it on. You maiden your plane the first time, just in acro mode as you uh, would normally do and uh, the trim will be done just in flight fully automatic so you don't have to uh, do anything else and then after flying around just cru or cruising around on your maiden you enable auto tune and then the next big thing uh, of INAV 3.0 comes and that's the new auto tune uh, system the new auto tune has i think as far as i understand uh, alex is um, a slightly changed algorithm to calculate the feed forward so that's more precise now and not fluctuating so much when you do your roll maneuvers or pitch maneuvers looping uh, loops whatever it also is now able to calculate the uh, rates the plane can fly at. So uh, no frame counting of your DVR or whatever is needed. You just fly around, the rates will be adjusted automatically. And that's a really cool thing because this is one, uh, one of the most done mistakes on INAV tuning that people forget or ignore to set the rates before they tune and that leads to a lot of uh, really a lot of navigation flying uh, issues especially stalls and turns and all that stuff and just to put that into perspective I've, i'm pretty sure we've seen three problems this week that are all down to rates um that's just one week so this is a really big thing yeah absolutely um what else Okay, I, I really have to ask you about the uh, manual trim, uh, actually the, the continuous trim. So what this means is that if you're putting a different battery pack in or if you're flying on a different kind of day where you maybe have more wind or if you have whatever else, the plane will adjust for you. Well, no, none of those things should really affect your trim anyway, because if you put the battery in the same place to get the same CG, then it, it should remain mostly the same. Uh, yes, but if and, you have a CG change, wind, but yeah, it, it will account for inaccuracies a bit. Uh, and an, another good example is like an easy star when you take the tail off to put it back in the box, uh, you have to disconnect the elevator linkage. So now, if you get when you put it back together and you know it'll trim correctly again, again, only small inaccuracies. Uh, and maybe things like if you want to fly really fast one day and slow another day, it'll help with things like that. So in manual mode. Yeah, exactly. So in menu, uh, while you are flying in manual mode, of course, the trim will not adjust because then INAV cannot tell if you are, uh, if, um, how can I say? Um, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I'm in acro mode, not manual mode. Sorry. Yeah, of, of course. This this is <laughs> only active thing. during... Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so Sharon's turning red right now. It's really fun. <laughs> so sorry when I'm still stumbling a little bit. I was I, I, I'm watching the audio meters right now because I had to change some more stuff because it was changing all the time. I hope it's done now. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, in, in manual mode, as I said, it won't work because what the auto trim feature is doing, it watches the iTerm of the PIFF controller uh, to uh, if it is active, why there is no stick input. And uh, this iTerm deviation is translated into servo trim, uh, servo center uh, movement. And this is how the auto trim effectively works this is going to be huge i mean this is going to make that alone is just probably worthy of making this imf 3.0 but that's just a little part of what's going on here and but i mean it is huge because it's most of the issues as darren was pointing out we get a lot of issues of people with the rates and the and the trims being wrong so these are yep. huge changes right here Definitely. I mean, uh, there are often people saying, yeah, for autopilot, for example, you just launch, you fly, you do a short uh, auto-tune and it's done. And basically, it's now the same for INAV. So you launch on your maiden, you do your auto-tune and it's done. Because autopilot, for example, is doing this in-flight servo trim for a long time now. There, there, there's a reason why there is no trimming feature on autopilot. Okay, uh, what else? Let me get my list here. Um, yes, PID FF controller. We have a D-term now with INA 3.0. This D-term is not used by default. It will stay on zero even after auto-tune. It will not change. Uh, the D-term is only for manual adjustment, for manual tuning right now, because uh, we don't know yet um, what the right balance between p and d will be to fit on many many planes so um we decided to not change it automatically right now maybe with INAV 3.1 later uh, but for now d term is not used by default but can be used to ramp up your uh, p value and get uh, more stable flights especially if you have very fast servos then this can be uh, helpful to uh, counteract wind and turbulences. So if it's going to be manual, are we going to come out with some kind of guide that tells people like if you have a small plane and you have faster digital servos, you should change your D to this. And then if you have a plane that's over meter, let's say, and you have um, the standard analog servos, your D term should be something like this. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I was a little bit distracted right now. All right, you're watching the levels again. Okay. No, I'm I, I'm watching I'm watching the chat in parallel uh, because Grumpy Old Note asks that feature seems super interesting, but I fear it will hide mechanical fuck-ups. <laughs> yes, of course it can hide. Uh, look, by the way, I have echo. It can hide mechanical issues with your uh, plane, but uh, if you don't fly in manual mode currently with INAV 2.6 or older, you also hide mechanical issues because you have an integral term that constantly keeps your plane flying straight. You, the only difference is that this permanent automatic trim of your plane uh, is now also affecting the manual mode. That was not the case before. But there are not too much people flying in manual mode all the time. So I think it won't make a big difference. And as I said before, it's optional. You ca uh, the, the feature is uh, off by default. And um, 
you have to enable it specifically. It, it is also, true. That... Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I was just going to say there's also limits to how far it will adjust the trim. So I, I believe uh, Alex said it's between 1,300 1, and 1,700. Yeah. So you've still got some play if something does go wrong. And um, if you land, and if you land your plane, uh, you will clearly see that if the fl uh, control surfaces are deviated a lot, that something is wrong with your plane. Hmm. What I was asking was about the D term. Um, as far as you said, you can only adjust it manually. So will we be coming out with some kind of like little cheat sheets as far as or guides to help people know if you have a digital servos on a plane that's less than a meter that's a speed plane you might be able to change your d term to this and get away with it or we're not going to touch that up whatsoever until 3.1 or yeah 3.1 yeah basically the d term um it sh in theory it should be the same like on quads you have a specific p and d balance value because the d what the d term is doing it's uh setting um a break or a smoothness to the p value and uh, you have to have the the right balance based on the inertia on the uh, specific axis on the plane and maybe we can have some kind of cheat sheet to say hey a two to one balance or a three to four balance or whatever is fine for this type of plane and then people can adjust them up and down simultaneously just keep the ratio the same uh, to make it more locked in or a more loose tune at the end it w should be the same as on quads uh, after all okay cool Okay, what else? Um, yeah, uh, and one small thing uh, for tuning is um, maybe not e even a lot of people. A lot of people will have recognized before uh, if you fly INAV with a T-tail plane or a V-tail plane, whatever has a rudder in the back, uh, you can have weird issues if you do bank and yank turns. So just banking turning around and then leveling out again in acro mode uh, because then what INAV tries to do or tried to do before is um, the integral value on your rudder tries to push back the nose into the direction where it was before and that's, that can happen or that can lead to uh, strange flight behavior. This was finally also uh, fixed in 3.0 and is now handled by the uh, by the yeah, by the flight controller. So you don't get that your lock anymore and you can normally fly like in manual mode and you don't have to dial down the item on your to zero anymore. Okay, that's that's awesome. So basically, one of the questions somebody had a while back was, um, and actually this came up in the group, somebody was asking, uh, old time pilots will, what they'll do is they'll put a, a little bit of rudder turn into so that when they bank left or right the rudder will also work in coordination with it uh this is going back a lot of the transmitters have this feature they want to know how you do this in inav and we don't do this in inav right now uh yes and no if you are in a navigation mode and you have uh um 
turn assist active then of course turn assist will mix your uh, your into the into the turn but uh, it's not that easy that you can just mix roll and yaw together because if you go into a turn you just one time enable roll to go into the bank angle and then you level out your uh, or you center your roll stick again to stay in that uh, orientation and just make small adjustments during the turn to stay in that bank angle so uh, you need your independent from your roll axis at the end. Okay, but there's some of the larger <laughs> planes where you need to have the yaw turned on. You can still do that manually, I guess, as long as you're flying. Even in stabilized modes, you can kind of still use if you want to. Just uh, basically, what the, what happens is this was kind of a lazy way to do things. So you would some of the larger planes. I should back up and say this: some of the really large planes, the ones that are two meters long with the detail with the not details but standard tails. Um, if you do not put a little bit of rudder into it. What it ends up kind of happening is the plane doesn't quite fly right. It always feels like the tail is being dragged around by the plane. So you have to learn how to put a little bit of rudder into it. And I guess to this day, you still have to do that with iNav. No, that's, that's that's the point. This is exactly what is fixed now, because uh, now the integral value is disabled as soon as you bank the plane, even in acro mode. It does differentiate between a bank uh, position or level position and it will disable the eye term on your if you bank so you can make your turns as you want and then you just level out by yourself and then the your is center uh, the rudder is centered again perfect okay good to know like, so uh, basically that, stepping yeah. on the ball in a full-size plane that's that's what you're talking about there steve so yeah. it's just adding a bit of rudder just to keep the cg and the balance of everything right in the plane. That's, I mean, Luke will know better because he flies real planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, step um, on the ball to keep everything coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're um, uh, guys like myself who pretty much came out of the flying wings to fly regular tail, uh, T-tail planes, um, especially when you get these larger ones, It's you're not really used to that. So you notice that, yeah, I can bank left or right, but the larger planes always kind of feels like it's the tails being dragged around. And so then you really have to start learning how to, to mix in rudder with that, with the, it's on the uh, same strict as your throttle. So the left stick and you kind of have to, you get much better turns that way. So. All right. Um, Andy in the chat has asked with the new servo trim feature, is it recommended to still check and adjust the servo centers in configurator? Uh, and adjust the linkages if they're outside of the 500 either side of central. So basically, if you've done, you mean 50? Uh, yeah, 50. The excess, the excessive, um, <laughs> the excessive amount of trim needed to keep it flying straight. And I, I would say yes. You you still don't want to have lots and lots of trim. If yeah. you ideally want it 1550 to 1450 within that range. Yes, exactly. So uh, what you want to do is you, f you fly your first uh, flight a little bit cruising around and uh, after your auto tune or whatever you uh, did during your first flight, uh, you can land. The trims are still automatically saved after disarm. So you can basically check after every flight you disarm, you check your servo trims and uh, you will see if anything is wrong and if it's more than uh, 1550 or 1450 as darren said then it's better to trim mechanical mechanically because this also helps on the next flight on your launch 
like if your elevator or your uh, elevons are, uh, need some more reflex and are trimmed down too much, um, this will also help on easier launches if you have centered them at the beginning of the flight. But yes, the trim is basically as before, uh, as far as I know, uh, saved after every every flight as soon as you disarm. Yeah, and this is kind of huge uh, if you really want your plane to fly better. I know there's a lot of guys who we say you should do a manual tune, and that assumes you know how to fly a plane manually. And there's a lot of guys who just are afraid to try that out, especially if coming over from quads. You want something that's stabilized, whatever else. This is a way around it. If you want to get your plane flying even better, go back and change. Make sure your your control surfaces are between 1450 and 1550. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for our next new feature, uh, before I go into that, I want to ask the chat, please uh, make some wave emoji or whatever. If you have ever... Um, if you, if you ever wanted to fly a waypoint mission and you forgot to load the waypoint mission from your EEPROM into your flight controller before you launch, then I want to uh, see an emoji in the chat right now because I bet a lot of people have done this before. Uh, for now, I switch to the next one. Oh, and when, you, when you're doing that emoji, don't forget to like the video. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so... Two new things for Return to Home that are really, really interesting, especially for uh, fixed-wing pilots. Um, it's now possible to override the uh, climb first and the, I think, climb first and... How's the other option called? I forgot it right now. Especially the climb first option. Like, let's say you are flying away from you, uh, you want to turn around and fly home, you enable your return to home switch, you're flying at 50 meters, but your return to home altitude is, let's say, 200 meters, and you want to av avoid unnecessary climbs of the plane before it turns around to come back. Now it's possible to abort the climb by pushing the pitch stick forward during the climb phase and then the plane will just level out, turn around and come back at the altitude as it is right now. And you can also override the climb first option if you push your uh, roll stick to the right or to the left for two seconds and then the plane will abort the climb first and make a turn back while climbing. So you can influence that right now. This is especially important for people flying in mountains or uh, if you have set your uh, return to home altitude to max, that means the maximum flight altitude during your current flight, uh, just to avoid unnecessary climbs and draining your battery if you want to use return to home at the end of your flight. So this is a really cool uh, feature to have that option to override that. But that's only for if you, you, you enabled return to home, right? Yes, this is only if you enable return to home uh, via switch, because of course, if you have uh, a face safe situation, then the return to home will be executed as it's set up. You cannot override it. And a new, uh, a new option for the climb phase is now also available. For now, we just have uh, climb first or turn around first. So that means if you have climb first and you're flying away from you, then the plane will first 
keep its course, climb to the desired return to home altitude and then turn around. Or you have uh, climb first off, then it will turn around directly and climb during the way home. The new feature is now a spiral climb option. That means the plane will switch into position hold when you hit the return to home uh, switch. And then during the spiral, it will climb to the desired return to home altitude and then come back to you. This is also very important for people flying between mountains or uh, other high obstacles uh, just to avoid to hit anything and have a direct climb on spot. Similar like a quadcopter would do that. It sounds good. Luke's shaking his head. So, Luke, you have something to add to that? Oh, I, I wasn't shaking my head. That was all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're like in agreement with that. Yeah. So, what uh, what would you say is best as far as doing a spiral climb? What's what's most efficient, spiral or just going a straight out climb? Uh, I guess the most efficient is turn back and then climb, but I'll probably go, be going for a spiral climb to. Not for mountains, since unfortunately England isn't particularly mountainous, but you know, certainly when around trees and that kind of thing can be very useful. Perfect. Yeah, the thing I, I like most is the option that you now have to choose whichever one you set. I mean, personally, yeah. I choose climb first because mm. you know, where we fly, there's trees either side. So if I do turn first, I'm gonna hit a tree if mm. I'm flying low. Um, yeah, exactly. If you if you know exactly where you're likely to be flying, then you can choose something else. So. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the return to home settings to me have always been depending on your flying area, what, what mm. suits you best. I mean, as you say, turn first, climb on the way back is the most efficient. But now we have a lot of options. We have the spiral climb if you are potentially in you know tight areas like mountainous areas, but also if we're climbing first and we're safe, we can move the stick. And it will turn around and climb on the way back. So yeah, it's really, really nice system now. Can you control the the uh, climb radius of the spiral turns? Uh, well, that'll be set loiter. by the position. Loiter hold. radius. Yeah. Yes, that's the loiter position hold loiter radius. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So and now we can go, come back to the uh, first thing uh, why I asked in the chat about uh, loading waypoint missions from the EPROM. INAV will now have the option to automatically load a stored EPROM mission. You can turn that on. Right now, I think it's in the uh, only in the CAI to enable it. I'm not sure if it will come into the uh, configurator do, uh, too. But uh, yes, that allows you to save a waypoint to the EPROM, to the onboard flash memory that, where it doesn't get lost. And as soon as you power up INAV, the mission will automatically be loaded. And this will also be notified uh, on the arming screen. So as soon as you arm your plane, uh, it will tell you in the arming screen that a waypoint mission is currently loaded. So you can't forget anymore, hopefully, <laughs> when you want to fly a mission. Hmm, interesting. Uh, what else? So one... Oh, actually, before you go off that, if is there a possibility at some point where you can have like a... Uh, um, God... I think you guys are all too young to remember this, but back in the early days of DOS, all the programs were too hard to remember how to go to C dash colon backslash, you know, uh, um, the word perfect, then you type wp.exe to start the program. So what would happen is when you boot up your computer, there would be uh, a window 
it wasn't Windows, but just a window, a little screen, and it said, if you want to start WordPerfect, press A. If you want to start uh, Lotus 123, press B or whatever else. Is Would there be something like that for missions where, you know, you can save like one to five different missions that you normally fly? So when you, when you fire up uh, iNav, no. you... No, not yet. Um, there are requests about uh, storing multiple missions on the flight controller or on the SD card in the flight controller because the Perfect. flight controller won't have enough uh, flash memory to store multiple missions on it. Um, but yeah, maybe sometime in the future, but not right now. Uh, but it, there are plans to have uh, uh, Raypoint missions stored on the SD card. So you can Perfect. make multiple mission profiles and then select over the OSD menu, for example, that's re that's requested and hopefully we will see that soon love it i, I feel oh, like uh darren brought it up in the the chat i feel like we have to mention it. i feel you know really bad talking about it but adam stepping on his transmitter <laughs> with the launch of the, the track was quite a funny one i really did quite like that video <laughs> Yeah, but there has been something requested in iNav, but we'll hopefully stop that. <laughs> oh, really? What is it? Yeah, well, basically, I think half of Adam's problems there was with auto launch at the moment. He's obviously using idle, and he had to kick the, the throttle on the transmitter to get it to idle. Oh, that I see. Was, so you know, it had shift to be in the within, within foot distance kind of thing to do. Yeah, so your transmitter has to be really close. He's got you know bad conditions. He's mm. throwing in a direction he doesn't want to throw in. It's all building up in your head isn't it hmm. um so i i can't remember if it's actually been merged or not um it if it has it's very recent uh but the the concept is there to have a delayed idle so you enable auto launch set your idle and then there'll be a timeout i think 10 seconds was um was the suggestion but it could be customizable and it'll yeah, actually it's... do like a beep countdown to let you know when it's going to kick in the idle. Yeah, and it's still debated. Playing, so, yeah, it's okay. still in the debate. It's not uh, decided yet, and also not merged how it will uh, work. But uh, there are different approaches. Some say uh, ESC beeper, but that would be no option if you have re if we have a standard ESC. Some say buzzer, but we also have planes with no buzzer, especially if you have a a big orange uh big drag uh, you don't want to add a, or you don't need to add a buzzer you wouldn't hear it over the motor so there were uh, there were also suggestions to, to do it like uh, autopilot as autopilot has uh aileron shake so it yeah. makes mm. a countdown by moving the ailerons uh oh, up cool. and down Oh, I and think that's at, a good way to do it. At, at the end, it will uh, do it really quickly. And to confirm the motor launch, you have to uh, wreck the tail of the plane. That's that's a, pretty, a bit weird, especially on data rings. But it seems to work. Uh, yeah, maybe this will come in the future too. But actually, Adam could have completely avoided it if he had read my uh, auto launch guide because there is something like min uh, auto launch min time you can set up a time frame where you cannot abort auto launch unless you lower the throttle to zero no, uh, with he, stick he input. That, he still would have kicked his yeah, but he right. would have kicked it, but the auto launch wouldn't have been aborted, and that wouldn't have cost him one thousand five hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam does know about that setting, but he didn't want to use it because he always likes the option of canceling the auto launch if mm. he needs to. Ah, okay. Um, 
But no, it didn't cost him that. His yeah, okay. The, the, whole, <laughs> the whole plane was that. Uh, I know not, not everything was was destroyed, of course. Yeah, so... so uh, I think we should uh, start a GoFundMe page and get enough money so we can buy Adam a tray for his transmitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. so what next? Um... That's a really cool feature here. Um, I think Darren also... Uh, uh, wasn't it even you who programmed it? The pan servo home direction offset? No, it wasn't me. Um, I okay. can't remember who it was now, but yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a really yeah, nice that, feature. That's, that's so cool. So what it actually does is, um, if you have your FPV view and you have a pan and tilt servo on it, or at least a pan servo where you can look around, um, before the home arrow was always uh, pointing into the direction uh, relative to the plane's heading or the plane's uh, bearing not heading and uh, what this new feature does it it turns the home arrow relative to your camera view angle so like if your home is behind directly behind the plane and you look to the left the home arrow will uh, turn from downward facing to the left because the home point then is on the left side of you if you turn the camera that's a really oh, cool feature cool. um i have uh, seen a post or a comment on facebook just today i think where someone asked how that works with the uh, or how he can set that up with the uh uh, 360 gra uh, degrees infinity pan, but unfortunately in this case it won't work because INAF cannot know in what position the uh, pan servo is right now if you have a endless uh, pan and tilt. Because that's possible with a slip ring, for example, but INAF cannot uh, know where the camera is looking right now. How do you set up uh the offset and the scale of the servo so that it knows how many degrees it can rotate and that kind of thing i presume there's a simple way to do it yeah it, it's uh over ci variables i, th I think uh, darren you oh, were in this discussion on uh github maybe you know more about that how it's done than i do oh uh, no i haven't read anything no i i, I mean darren i mean Darren. So it, was, it was a little while ago but yeah i, I think there I, I can't actually remember, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's, it's just a couple of CLI variables. But yeah, it was quite simple to set up. I'll uh, give it a bit more of a look then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. as far as I know, uh, it's basically just uh, three three things you have to you have to uh, you have to tell enough what channel the or what output channel the uh, pen servo is on and uh, how much degree max you will have to have in each direction. But I can say for sure right now, I have to look it up too. Perfect. So I can I can send you the uh, the GitHub ticket num number if you want to have a look. It's 6501. <laughs> okay, uh, what else? Yeah, safe homes. Um, safe homes was a new feature that was introduced with INAF 2.6, where you can have uh, home points for the plane to come back to that are not directly above you. Like if you are, if you have a mountain or hill or high trees behind you, for example, you can set uh, a, a safe home point a little bit further away from you. So this will be considered as a home point if you are near or in a 200 meter radius. This 200 meters can now be adjusted down and up up to 650 meter uh, meters maximum 
that's also uh, new in 3.0 because before it was hard coded um so what else uh, by the way look uh just interrupt me if there are some questions in the chat right <laughs> i will do yeah we'll do okay great uh our ceiling updates we have some updates for crossfire users um the rssi value and the signal to noise ratio value uh displays have uh, changed a little bit to be more compact and uh, more clear then crossfire users will get the option to report cell voltage instead of battery voltage to the uh, radio that's really important if you uh, if you use different battery cell counts uh, all the time between your crafts and just to have the cell voltage as a consistent number and also helpful for some of the uh, telemetry widgets especially if you always use the same um, the same OpenTX model for example and you use the telemetry widgets uh, having the cell voltage instead of the whole battery voltage this helps to set up the alarms on the widget because otherwise you have to set the alarm every time new if you have a 2s 3s 4s 6s or whatever battery and this is not needed anymore if you can report the cell uh, cell voltage um any questions about that right now no okay what else um some of the people uh who are familiar familiar with autopilot will like that one uh mevlink and mevlink 2 our ceiling is now supported so what you can do you can connect um an Mavlink compatible ground control station like Q ground control to INAV, not only to get telemetry down, but also to send RC signals up to the to the craft. So you can, for example, use Q ground control in an extreme case with a gamepad, for example, on your PC and fly your plane with a gamepad over your PC and telemetry long range link. This is a really cool, uh, really cool thing, and I think. Uh, some people especially for extreme long-range stuff might uh, like to use that yeah i think the most useful thing is if you want to fly fully over 4g or something like that uh which i, I don't think is too popular with inav mostly just because you know you can't at the moment but hopefully it'll allow for some things in the future yeah so uh, as the rc link support uh, works now you can even arm your plane via your uh, pc and q ground control because you just have to change the uh, corresponding channel for that so in theory you can completely fly the plane uh, over uh mevlink hmm. and that so was not possible before in your house then right <laughs> for maybe example, like 30, yeah. 40 50 meters up and then you would yeah you can get thousands and thousands of kilometers of distance with your plane <laughs> okay what else uh and one last important thing for uh ghost uh, immersion rc ghost users is gps telemetry is now supported by inav through ghost but ghost also needs uh, to get the corresponding update that's not ready yet there's a better available but i think it's not public so especially long-range pilots or quad pilots long-range quad pilots will get their gps data on their radio with the ghost system um while we're in yeah. the r ceiling section there's one thing that you've not got on here that i 
I've checked it in the other section it might be in, but it's not there. So I wouldn't mind covering it, um, which is particularly important for people who use RC links that don't have a failsafe bit. So some 433 megahertz systems, that sort of thing, is that FreeArm is now in the modes. Um, so I've seen a lot of people, well, not a lot, but I've, I've seen comments from people that have things like uh, OpenLR, OpenLRS, who, if they have a failsafe, it automatically puts the arm switch in the arm position. That's and Express LRS, right? Express no, LRS. not. Oh, were you on ExpressLRS? Because there's all open LRS. Open HD. Uh, no, 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 no. It is open LRS. It's the old, old yeah. 433 okay. megahertz. Um, the no, no, no you're, you're, that was another different one you mentioned there. Open HD is another completely separate thing, and that's for yeah, video. That's video. <laughs> and and <laughs> controlling, actually. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and controlling. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, open LRS. Uh, I'm sure it's open. You could run it on the orange receivers and transmit. Yeah, that's open LRS. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it, it has no failsafe bits. So when you set failsafe, you do it with stick positions. So one of these stick positions is putting it in the arm position, obviously. So you want it armed. Um, but if you're on the ground or something like that, you accidentally turn on the transmitter, it will, um, and you've already disarmed, it will prevent it from rearming and activating failsafe if you're in a position where you don't want it to. So it's quite useful for those, those people. And there are still people using the orange receivers. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I've got one somewhere. <laughs> These aren't the uh, the spe the DSMX or DSM2 orange receivers. These are oh, okay. Orange did a line of uh, LRS receivers, uh, yeah, long range receivers. Uh, okay, those three stuff. <laughs> okay, so uh, no questions at this point from the chat. Uh, no. OSD updates. Uh, we are not even half through. Damn, that's a long list. <laughs> Actually, ha having said that, I have orange receivers on loads of stuff because they're, they're the DSM2 ones, just because they're great for short range park fly stuff. So cheap and light. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so OS OSD updates. Uh, for Pixel OSD, um, you can now select different speed sources for the uh, speed value right now it was only ground speed by default and you could not could not change that but now you can set up your airspeed and your 3d speed for the scroll sidebar item um then you are also able to change the uh osd sidebar height on inav 3.0 um to adjust it uh independent from the crosshair that's also helpful uh, oh and you can also disable the sidebar but keeping the uh, center markers on the side that's also helpful if you don't want to have the sidebars but want to have a orientation point for your artificial horizon especially if you have disabled the crosshair because then you still know when your horizon is actually level right now uh, another big update on the osd is the stats page because now you don't have just one stats page, you will have multiple ones with a lot more information you, uh, over, uh, about your flight at the end. And you can scroll through them after disarming with your uh, roll input stick. Um, 
and you can change your uh, failsafe procedure from OS from the OSD menu now. That means you can switch between drop and return to home um, as a failsafe mode. But that's most important for uh, quad pilots uh, who fly sometimes <coughs> with their with their GPS enabled quads in bandos or in buildings or whatever because you don't want to have return to home enabled if you fly in a big uh, factory hall, of course. <clears throat> okay, so any question at this point? No. There are also a few hacks for DJI OSD that have been added. Oh, that, that, that's a really good point. Uh, by the way, I just got a picture from someone in the group to, today. I will put it here into Skype first and then also share it with the stream so there is still a configurator um there's still a configurator update planned uh for 3.0 so it should uh it's not merged yet but you will get a whole new section for uh, dgi hd fpv systems with all these settings here like um what uh yeah, what speed source you want to have, uh, disable unsupported items, so you actually see what items are available on your DJI OSD in the list on the left side. And yeah, a few more uh, settings like the adjustments over the uh, craft name and all that stuff. So yeah, you will get your DJI HD settings in the configurator and that should be uh, should become available before the final release of the configurator. Okay. What next? This is done. This is done. Okay. Yeah, some internal changes. Uh, a new filter type for the gyro and uh, removal of old deprecated uh, filters that are not very helpful anymore. I don't understand much of that. So that's Pavel's uh, special force <laughs> to handle INAF uh, and sensor filtering. And uh, the max cell count INAF can detect is now raised to 12. I think it was 8 before the limit. I'm not sure right now if it was 6 cells or 8 cell uh, LiPo. Now the maximum uh, cell count is 12 that can be auto detected. And uh, as you, mm, some of you may have seen the uh, video from me recently about the OSD configuration and uh, yeah, I mentioned that the uh, naming of the OSD settings was uh, homogenized to uh, yeah, be more even and easier to find. This is also uh, part of INA 3.0 and I hope this is complete as soon as the final release. Uh, what else? So a few changes we have in the modes. So um, the classic cruise mode we had before until 2.6 is now called crash uh course hold <laughs> in the osd it will be shown as crsh yes it sounds like crash maybe not the best idea to name it like that but I that think was... a lot of people have crash mode in inf <laughs> yeah, i think so by the so, body of water <laughs> yes and there will be an extra cruise mode right now that automatically combines 
course hold and altitude hold. So in theory, it is the same if you enable the new course hold and altitude hold at the same time, or if you just use cruise mode. This is mainly to uh, make it easier for beginners to understand. If you want to have a cruise mode, you want to cruise, you want to keep your altitude, you just have to enable a single mode now and don't have to enable both at the same time. Yeah, so course hold is the old cruise mode, uh, cruise is the old 3D cruise. That's yes, exactly. Um, then, thanks to Darren, we have now an increased number of mode ranges. Maybe you can say something about that? Uh, well, this was really, it came about from uh, something Josh and I were sort of messing about with, trying to get as many different switches onto a single channel as possible. Because uh, we have things like Crossfire that only have 12 channels. So we're actually merging sort of three switches onto a single RC channel, but all working independently. The problem with that is you need a lot more RC ranges to actually configure it in iNav. Um, and it, it was looking like it could run out. Um, but at the end of the day, this is just uh, a number, as Pavel likes to say. So it was easy enough to increase that number. <laughs> yeah, and uh, unless you do it with the uh, with the uh, adjustments, for example, and then suddenly the uh, configurator crashes if you want to oh, change no, no, that, settings. That's, that's logical switches. <laughs> ah, logical switches. That, that was logical it. Yeah. Switches. <laughs> but, but I think with the adjustments, we had a sep, uh, similar issue when we uh, tried to enable uh, up to forty. I think then also you couldn't access it with the configurator anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, logical switches was the same. I think I could get that safely to thirty. What's it now? Thirty-two. So I could get another another 16, I think, and it was fine. But if I tried to double it to 64, logical switches wouldn't work anymore, neither would modes. <laughs> so uh, that's why that's not gone in. <laughs> the, I like the idea of Snuggles FPV. We need uh, CRSH t-shirts. <laughs> I know <have> CRSH <laughs> mode. Yeah, I agree. That'd be good. CRSH with iNav. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we are nearly done with the list here. Uh, for peripherals, just a few uh, smaller things. Uh, D-Shot Beeper is now finally supported, uh, especially for quad users, but maybe also for some plane users. So you can make your motor beep by uh, switch if you don't have installed a buzzer. Um, the BMI, the Bosch BMI 088 IMU is now also supported uh, with a new driver that uh, might be used in future flight controller releases and it should be a very high quality IMU as far as I know um, and it could be used for example for dual IMU flight controllers in the future so that's more future proof uh, improvement at this point uh, and one important note especially for people buying or building planes with high-end hardware or with expensive servers you, you know uh, you know who i'm talking Henry, about, talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, henrik will like that um now it's possible to use uh, standard pwm and espas servos at the same time so before Ooh. you had to decide if you use all servos on espas or all servos on pwm and with uh, INAR 3.0, you can mix them up together. 
So you can still have like some cheap servos for your uh, pan and tilt system directly controlled by the flight controller. And then your main control surface servos, expensive uh, or high quality SBUS servos to have them all on one connector on the flight controller. Um, yeah, some changes in the uh, INAV programming feature, like uh, you can now the, set the GPS status as a programming trigger for some functions you want to have. You can set the heading of the plane or of the copter, whatever, as a logic condition. So you can like set a specific flying direction on a switch, for example, or you can uh, trigger a point of interest on or uh, let's say you can you can say the play uh, you can you can program like a fence function uh, that the plane or the copter should auto automatically turn around into your direction if you go too far whatever your fantasy uh, brings up and you can also allow logic conditions to override rc channels um i have I did not come up with an own uh, idea what you could do with that, um, but maybe you can also uh, switch into a specific mode if you are too far away or too high, or whatever, and you can build your own fence, your, uh, your own geofence function. And one important thing um, we really need to figure out is uh, the user program user programmable PID controller or PIDFF controller that should allow us to build real VTOLs with a complete VTOL transition system. Of course, it's a lot of work. Uh, it needs programming by the user. It's not built in into INAV like on Arduplane with a preset, but it should be possible at this point. And uh, yeah, two last things, uh, especially for multi-rotor users with INAV. Um, you can now set your camera up tilt as an uh, artificial horizon compensation. So you can say you want to have the artificial horizon centered if your camera is centered to the horizon instead of the craft centered to the horizon. Uh, some people like that uh, because yeah, they want to have the camera as their reference point and not the quad or multi-rotor frame. And the last thing I have on my list here is the ability to not slow down your multi-rotor when, you when you approach a waypoint. So a complete waypoint mission will be much more smooth and consistent instead of stopping, turning and then uh, going again. So this is also something uh, requested for a long time on INAV. I've not looked at the camera up tilt, but does that work both ways? I'm just thinking if you've got a model where the foam is pointing the camera up and down or down slightly, could the camera then be adjusted so the AHI is central? Um, for, for wings, you already have the horizon offset. So you can uh, set, offset the uh, crosshair and the artificial horizon by up to two rows up or down based on the, your camera angle. But the, play, uh, the horizon will still uh, be uh, centered on your crosshair when the plane is level. 
But on the multi-rotor, if you want to fly forward, you have to tilt the multi-rotor. Yeah, of course. And obviously, so, your and roll and all that have different effects then. Yeah. Yes. So, and this is what this is targeted at. So, uh, if your multi-rotor is leveled and the camera is looking upwards, then the artificial horizon will actually be uh, below the camera. And if you tilt, uh, tilt your craft to look forward or to fly forward, then the horizon will be on the crosshair. So you basically have a fixed uh, reference point for your tilt angle to have a specific speed for your multi-water at this point. For, for cruising speed, for example. That's what it's uh, meant to do at this point. I, I think it's a little bit weird. I would not use it, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I only have some better flight quads and uh, I usually don't use Horizon anyway on them. But yeah, some people uh, seem to like it. So this was one edition on 3.0. So I've got some questions for you, Mark. Yeah. Okay, so these are for the people who are brand new to INAV 3.0 who are installing this on their plane. Um, what are the steps required? So. A, if you have a plane that's already tuned and let's say INAV 2.6 and you want to bring it over to 3.0, what do you need to do? And B, what do you need to do if you are, this is a brand new plane, you're starting from scratch? Yeah, so for that, I would say I will quickly uh, share my screen at this point. Just give me a second. Okay, first of all, I share my screen in Skype this one and then we switch here to screen okay so um first of all if you want to update from 2.6 to 3.0 um do not transfer your tune of your of your uh, airplane unless you are 100% sure and completely certain that this tune is working absolutely perfect and you cannot get it better um the tune will work on 3.0 but trust me the new auto tune the new auto trim will make a better tune uh, than i would say 90% of the plane, planes out there I'm pretty certain on that. So uh, what you actually do, uh, you can take a diff, a diff all from your INAV 2.6 or 2.5 plane. I'm not sure about 2.5 right now. There was something that also has changed here. Uh, you go into the diff file like this. Let me make it a little bit bigger. And then it's important to remove the whole profile section here. The, that's your complete tuning with rates, with pits, whatever on the tune has changed. You completely remove that and then you can load back your uh, diff into INA 3.0. So you have all the other settings like uh, channel ranges, mode ranges, your mixer, everything transferred to 3.0. That's fine, but not the tune. And then you can go into the configurator. You connect the configurator and you go into presets and at this point you just uh, apply the plane with a tail or plane without tail so plane without tail would be the uh, any data wing ar wing whatever and with a tail everything that has a separate elevator just apply the preset and uh, then just do an auto tune from that point and that's basically all you need to do and during the next flight you do an auto tune and you are good to go. 
That's good. Um, okay, so while well, we've got a quiet bit, um, Andy in the chat has asked, uh, does 3.0 need any changes to the OpenTX model? Uh, yes and no. It will work absolutely fine. Uh, the voice pack will obviously be wrong because it's set for cruise mode. Uh, actually, I need to check the mode. Uh, uh, the, the mode has changed. Uh, but the modes will work. The modes will work. The adjustments won't work. The adjustments IT have uh, IDs have changed. That, yeah, that's that's the pro model, isn't it? I'm just yeah for the pro model standard model. Um, so I'm not sure the mode idea is the same for cruise. Uh, if it is, it should work, but um, I will double check and I'll make put a note in the uh, Facebook group. Um, no, uh, if you have used the um, the cruise plus altitude hold on 2.6, this will automatically uh, switch to course hold and uh, altitude hold. So it will still use this this variant. Okay, of cool. cruise mode at this point because i have transferred my 2.6 setup to uh, 3.0 uh on the dot 250g here and uh yeah that's let me have a look me, uh, screen host there we go and here you can see it's on nav course hold and nav alt hold enabled automatically cool cool yeah, cruise mode is for some reason uh, somewhere down here. Wait a second, where's no, cruise? You've gone past it. It's uh, ah, here, yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically, I can now set this to cruise, set it to this range, and then I can uh, remove this one and this one, and it will do exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. Uh, by the way, down here is the auto level. The new auto level feature. Did did I mention that before? You said you no. have to enable it. No, actually, it was mentioned in the chat or, or asking about it, but we didn't actually Ow. talk about it. Ah, <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was on other episodes, though. <laughs> no, we 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 don't end that episode with that cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the new auto level feature. That's one of the tuning features. For some reason, I forgot it in my list. Um, you. Right now you can find it down here. It will move upwards, I think, uh, to the auto trim and auto tune. And what the auto level feature is doing uh, up to I uh, look, I have an echo up to I have two point six. I no still echo <laughs> up to I have two point six. You had to use the uh, board pitch alignment to uh, adjust your pitch angle during cruise flight to keep yeah to keep altitude even in uh, angle mode for example and not dive or climb this will change with INA 3.0 and in the configuration in the configuration tab you will see that the pitch and uh, roll alignment is gone here it's only available in the CAI right now and what you can do now is in advanced tuning no in pit tuning sorry it takes a moment to load in Pitu tuning under mechanics, you will have a new line now with the uh, board pitch. No, not pitch alignment. Let me check quickly. Mechanics fixed ring level trim. That's how it's called. And now you can set a trim value for level flight here 
and it can be adjusted to plus 10 degrees and minus 10 degrees uh, if you need and this can also be completely automatically tuned as we don't need auto trim anymore in theory you can instead of auto trim use uh, the fixed string level trim the auto level mode uh, instead of uh, auto trim so yeah that's uh, mainly uh, the new thing okay we where did we stop before that uh we were talking about the group models um so yeah right long, long story short the pro model won't work with the adjustments but everything else should be fine yeah um right colby has just mentioned about will there be an update for the setup guide um because of uh, obviously what what we've been seeing in the group um so the current setup guide I actually went through, I think it was yesterday, I spent a good couple of hours going through it. Um, and it's it's fine at the moment. It's not set up for free, uh, but it's more a configurator guide. So it's more going through configurator explaining what those parts do. So con configurator has actually changed a fair bit. So probably will update this guide based on INAV3 because that was based on INAV 2.0, I believe. It's quite, quite old. Right. So we can update that. And obviously we will update other guides with what to do with INAV 3.0. So yeah, we will be updating the site. It probably won't happen immediately, um, but it will be happening in the future. Okay, um, guys, do, do we want to make a quick break and then continue? And then we can soon switch to our radio topic, I think. Okay. Unless yeah, there are more, more questions. What so, I okay. think we can do is we could probably um, go into, uh, we go into the radio topic, and then we'll end the show with questions people might have that we'll pick up at the very end that we haven't covered. So that way Luke can have a chance to look them all over and then it'll get back to us report at the very end. But the radio topic is really big and I think needs some time to address. So let's take a three minute break so we can get coffee, use the restroom and uh, let's get back to it. Okay. See you in a minute. 3.0. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're back everybody. Thank you very much. Mark, that was uh, really fantastic uh, overview of everything anything you might have forgotten that to mention um not at the moment uh, we found out that i missed the auto level one of the most important features <laughs> but uh yeah i think we have covered mostly I, I think there are many many more things uh we have about 200 uh tickets and pull requests on uh, the 3.0 milestone on github so we can't go over everything and a lot of stuff is small under the hood changes so it's not interesting at all but i think this list uh, i presented now during the last uh, 60 70 minutes is already long enough okay uh, have we had any any major bugs reported in the first day that you saw uh, on github not yet uh, as far as i know uh, i can I i've looked about two or three hours ago and i didn't see anything major right now but i think the release was just yesterday evening so uh, i don't think that many people will have flown it yet and um it, it was intensively tested so we have so many new features uh alex has programmed 
has basically run down his keyboard uh, with all the features he implemented and um yeah he also tested everything he did i also did some test flights with uh one two three three different planes and i think there shouldn't be anything major right now maybe in the, during the next weeks we will see some minor glitches like mode transitions or whatever something some very special things but the main features flying should all be stable okay um one thing i want to mention before we get into transmitters is that when inav 3.0 the final release candidate um actually the stable version gets released uh what i like to do in the group is have a kind of a fundraiser to say like if you've donated to the developers the opportunity to mention and a, and a we'll start a post and say like i kicked in some money for him because this is a lot of people burned a lot of hours for this this is huge and it's aimed towards us in particular so we really need to give them a tip like good service at a restaurant you want to tip them yeah sure so i mean i mean they are always uh we, we have uh pavel's patreon and uh and uh, donation function over uh paypal and i think uh, alex has also something like less i mean he he really earns a lot of credits this time so he has yeah. uh, alex has done so much i mean I, th Alex I think pretty much Mr. Rhinav 3.0, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, uh, I, I looked through all the uh, GitHub tickets. Uh, I have a, a, a full screen list here. And I think uh, his name was appearing in every second of them. That's that's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, hey, Pete, uh, all right, Pete has just asked, when is the official launch of Rhinav 3.0? Uh, the developers probably don't even know yet. It's just going to go through a go a couple of release candidate stages and when they're satisfied that everything's okay they've got as much out of it as they want to it will be released so it, probably june but no one knows a date yet i, th I think uh, what might happen uh, or when i look at the at the past enough releases uh, usually usually the developers want to wait two to three weeks after a release candidate was published uh, if there are any major issues reported so it, it could happen if we are lucky that uh, the release candidate one uh, works already perfectly but i think there are one two small things that might be merged uh, in in the in, in the next one or two weeks that's not sure uh, that's not safe yet uh, but if there are no major issues during the next uh, three weeks, then maybe we will have a release beginning to mid of June, I think. If there are bugs, then it might take a little longer because then another release candidate comes out and then they will uh, wait another two weeks from there if something major is found. Okay, fantastic. My gosh, you know, typically... When we were putting these wing talks together, we we're talking about doing them monthly, and like, you know, people were asking, you know, this might be too too often. We won't have enough to talk about. Like, we're compressed for time today. We have so much to talk about. We have a very limited amount of time. So I want to get on to Darren now. Darren, you are going to help us out with this whole understanding the radios and iNav. And I guess the big question is, what will work with iNav with radios? Pretty much anything <laughs> if, if iNav will talk to the receiver it it will work with iNav um so th this is my personal pre uh, point of view is 
what's the best radio for INAV? The radio you're most comfortable with. As long as it works, <clears throat> you've got enough channels that you need, you've got enough switches, then that's the best radio for you for INAV. There's, there's no sort of right or wrong answer. It's all down to personal preference. So if you like Jetty, use a Jetty. <laughs> if you've got the money for a Jetty. <laughs> I mean, not, the, the, I think there's one limitation. Uh, at least your radio has to support any receiver that has a Siri output. Because we don't have uh, PWM inputs on flight controllers yeah. anymore. Yeah, that's what, or you that's need what a converter. I'm basically saying. If INAV can understand the receiver, then yeah. it, it, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, there, there are some things that you can look at to make the experience better. Maybe um, if you are limited, like uh, I, I did mention the DX6i earlier, obviously that was a joke. I, I would not recommend that for INAV because it has basically six channels. It would be extremely limited, um, especially if you're into things like long range or you want multiple flight modes. It's, it's just really not a, a well-suited radio. We had some guy who posted about the DX6i about two months ago, and he had a whole long list of how he's planning to use it. He had to figure out combinations of things in order to get all the flight modes to work. Someone just said, why don't you just buy an OpenTX radio? Save yourself uh, yeah, I, I think I remember that. That was probably a bit more than two months now. Um, yeah, maybe I like think that was, might have been a guy called Tracy. Um, yeah, um, it's Tracy. Yeah, he actually went out and bought a Radio Master TX16S and hasn't looked back. <laughs> but that's the thing is, uh, people, it, you've got a couple of different types of people that come to INAV. You've got people that are brand new to flying FPV in, in general. You've got people that come from quads. You've got people that come from line of sight. So there's a whole multitude of people coming in. If they're coming from line of sight, they may have radios like Spectrums or, you know, they, they don't really need so many switches or uh, options on the radio. Yeah, for a long time, the DX6i was a very popular radio as a first radio for line of sight pilots, so they're very common. Yeah, I mean, that that was what was actually recommended when I when I joined the, the flying club, was get mm. a get a Spectrum because we can buddy with you. So I got a DX6i because yeah, uh, it was I, 60 quid. <laughs> the, the DX6i was pretty well my first radio when I started, like, 15 years ago whatever it was so when it just come out <laughs> yeah yeah so they've been going a long time <laughs> so, and, yeah. and are proven um but yeah it it, it if, if you've got a radio that will work there's no reason to buy a, a different radio it's true with things like OpenTX, you can program in more things to get more features working but it, it's not an, an essential you can still do these things with other with other radios. Like for example, when we first started the the group uh, a few months in, there was a young man named Mark Hoffman who joined the group, and uh, he was talking about how his pure love for the um, Fly Sky. He's probably going to grab it right now. The what is that one? The uh, uh, Fly Sky I six was it? But I think no, I can't grab it because I really. I actually saw it a few months ago. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, I have I have switched to the uh, TX16S and in January, I think, and I still can use my FlySky receivers with that radio still. 
so uh and i got a second radio the x light for quad flying or just for ripping around with my speed planes uh to have something more comfortable in my hand uh for aggressive flying and with two radios i don't need a third backup radio anymore because i can use both radios for the same crafts both are set up in a way that i can just switch them on the same plane uh, without any changes and that's why i don't need the fly sky i6 as a backup anymore i even sold my tyrannus so <laughs> Hmm. But yeah, Steve brings up a good point. A, lo a lot of people have bought that radio because it is really cheap, but it is actually quite reliable as well. The receivers seem decent. Yeah. And so there's no reason why people shouldn't use it yeah. if, they, if they want to use it. So we have a post of Mark Hoffman flying that thing, what, 15 kilometers out with, with the FlySky transmitter? I mean, it was uh, completely modified. It was, it had a huge antenna on the back of it. You, you, you mean my FlySky i6? Yes. Uh, it was 4.9 kilometers, not 15. <laughs> oh, I thought it was but, far, though, yeah. But, People have but, gone very far with the uh, FSI 6, though. I yeah. think uh, iForce 2D did 13 kilometers or something like that with it, so, yeah. Mm, but no, I think iForce 2D uh, used actually a uh, signal booster on it to reach that. I think so. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, think, I, I think so. Uh, the, the the biggest range I have seen just with an antenna mod on the FlySky i6 was, I think, 5.8 or 5.9 kilometers, close to 6 kilometers. Hmm. It was so the biggest that's, range that's I've seen. And, and with that radio that actually has a very low power output. I think it only has around 25 uh, or 30 milliwatts. It has not the full 100 milliwatts that are allowed. So yeah, with the external antenna mod around five, a little bit more than five kilometers are uh, possible. I just have modded one antenna to be outside. The second one was still in the handle. And yeah, with uh, 4.9 or so, uh, my limit was reached with that radio. With the with the Tyrannus, on the other hand, uh, that was uh, that sending out full 100 milliwatts, I reached, I think, 11.6 kilometers with an X8R, also on 2.4 gigahertz. And now I have also for testing the Immersion RC Ghost system here, and I will see if I can reach uh, that limit uh, with that 2.4 system. That would be interesting to see, because that's LoRa 2.4, isn't it? So yeah. in theory, it should yeah. be better. Actually, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, Darren, back to you. Um, so what, uh, what you were talking about, you can, we use just about anything for iNav then, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, in all honesty, I don't really know where this radio chat's going um, because it, it is such um, it is such a wide um, there's such a wide range of radios and there's no right or wrong answer. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I thought we put things in perspective today as far as uh, what we can talk about as far as you know what happens when you want to get to the next level because somebody comes in. Uh, first things first, someone comes in who's a line of sight pilot, he's getting his first taste of iNav and he wants to know if he can make it work with uh, Spectrum Radio and where, you know, you might have a lot of planes that fly with Spectrum that have the AS3X on them and you don't need to sell your Spectrum Radio, but you might need a different radio system for iNav if you want to make planes with iNav that works, right? No, so not really. Um, I mean, 
all you really need is you can use a Spectrum satellite receiver and it will communicate with INAV and it will use a serial protocol. So no, they don't really need to buy a new radio. Um, uh, yeah, you're showing that. Oh, you're showing antennas, Mark. Uh, have you flipped your screen on? Or? <laughs> Is that, you and, you're, and you're muted. Yeah. <laughs> and you're still <laughs> muted. Yeah. I, I, actually, I didn't want well, wanted to uh, interrupt you because I just wanted to show it to the chat uh, my <laughs> antenna set up here. Uh, But yeah, you are still seeing me. I should share my screen instead so you don't see what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, if if someone's come from line of sight, unless they've got something like a DX6i, which only has six channels, if they've got something like a DX8 or DX9, DX18, or even one of those new Android things, um, there's no reason why they can't use that with INAV at all. They, they can, they just use a satellite receiver, um, put that to a UART or um, I believe even on Omnibus, which I hate Omnibus, but I believe they even had a plug for the Spectrum satellite receivers to plug straight yes. into. Yes. So, um, yeah, there's there's always options there. If they wanted to go long range, then they may need to look at other things. But I believe you can put a crossfire on a Spectrum. If we use PPM or something like that, but I believe it's, it's possible. So yeah. just to go to INAV, you don't need to go to another radio. If, if, yeah, as long as you're happy, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. If, if you want more than your radio can do, then yeah, look at something else. Um, but again, it depends on what you want. If, if you're used to that ecosystem, you might want to stick with it rather than trying to jump to something new. Um, so again, it's it's all very much a personal preference thing. It's it's like an OSD. It's like no one has the same OSD. So no one's radio setup is exactly the same unless they sort of download one of our models, which um, you know that may be maybe one of the big selling points if someone is completely new. Um, is we do have our OpenTX models, so they can just put those on the radio, and that side of things already taken care of to an extent. But there's no reason why people flying INEV need to use OpenTX radio or anything like that. Okay. So I let's say somebody does want to get into the next phase of radios for INEV. Um, let's say that they're looking for the upgrade because a lot of people do this. They start off, they're, they, they're familiar with their Spectrum radios, they stick with it or their FlySky radios. Then they say, I want something more. So what is out there that's something more for them to look at? So what are we, we're going to narrow it down for people. Well, it depends. Like I said, it depends what they've got now right. um, and whether they want to stick with it. So if they have got like a, a Spectrum DX8, but they want more, maybe they'll look at the, is it the IX12 or IX16 or whatever it's called? Right. So they, they might prefer to stick with the brand they're used to and just get a higher up radio. It might not be the most cost effective way of doing things because spectrums are quite expensive compared to other radios. But um, there's no reason why there, there has to be a specific radio upgrade path. Okay. Um, if, if people fly Futaba, they might want to stick with Futaba. They, they trust their reliability. Same with you know, a lot of people are liking the Radio Master that Mark's got. Um, people still 
do like free sky despite what what's going on in everywhere at the moment um but yeah it's it's personal choice so okay so we're discussing now different types of radios we're going into if you were to get into the open tx radios or something in that line you've got really right now what you have are two different things you've got fr sky free sky which has the complete ecosystem or you have crossfire and you can use that with a variety of different radios including free sky radios um, but you have a lot of compelling radios out there like the jumpers and the radio masters so what's that like what 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 do we have when we look at all those different things uh, well so to be honest the, the radios you've just mentioned are all basically the same <laughs> if, yes. if you look at them for a certain there's there's a certain switch layout that you get with open tx radios that you know as from from my first experiences of it was with a, an x9b so uh, one of these yes that was my first experience so obviously mine is modified <laughs> yeah, uh, but that switch enough. was here originally so you just had you know switch sa sb sc sd ef g and h you had two uh pots you had two sliders that's that was basically the standard open tx layout and not a lot has really changed you you then move on to like the horus type radios which has an additional six-way switch and two additional um, trims and the radio master and the jumper are very much the same as that so the six-way pot has been swapped for buttons but it's all very very familiar with all those radios and OpenTX all sort of works the same. So the only real difference that you're going to get there is potentially quality of components, how it feels in the hands, because obviously they're all physically different, so they'll feel different. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's subtle differences, but on the whole, the actual functionalities of the radios in how they work is all very similar. Um, and it's, I mean, to be honest, it's a really nice proven layout. It works well. There's an, there's plenty of switches, and yeah, it's a good system. I mean, it's also it's also interesting uh, how that all developed. I mean, uh, look at uh, FR Sky. Uh, you have the old X9D that's on the market for uh, since 2015 or 2016 right now, and uh, even today, five or six years later, it's still the baseline on the layout and uh, the only things that have changed is the main electronics so the, the pro processor and memory to uh, su to support the graphical displays like on all the horus type radios and that's the next point we have horus types radios because they are all basically clones from the fr sky horus the hardware yeah. is nearly the same internally of course, the board layout is different, but you have the same processor, you have the same basis, uh, base uh, of software. Uh, you still have the same switch uh, layout and switch availability, as you uh, mentioned before, the six position switch. On Radio Master, Radio King and Jumper, it's this six position line switch. On FR Sky, it's a potentiometer with six positions. Well, if, you, if, you uh, just, if you remember, Mark, when the, the the first jumper T16 first came out, the multi-protocol module was actually external. It wasn't built in. 
and that ran the Horus firmware. So that shows exactly how much of the same radio it is. The, yeah. the components are different places on the board, um, but it's running the same firmware, so it is basically a clone. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into all that because they all sort of do it, so I'm not saying anyone's good or bad for doing it, but it's it's just the facts of the, the matter. It's yeah. You know, it, the, the X9D was a clone of I can't remember it was a nine RX or something like that. You're you're on mute, Luke. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. The the JRX X2 or something nine yeah, nine yeah, yeah. nine so, fight. Yeah. So they they done it. It's 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 you know no one's innocent in this game. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not saying that it's good or bad, but I'm just pointing out that it has happened. Um, but anyway, sorry I interrupted you, Mark. Yeah, all good. Uh, and I, I think uh, speaking of clones, I mean the 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 last two years were so interesting uh, on the whole market development. I mean, look at the uh, the um, not Radio Master and uh, at the Jumper T16 that was basically an X9D clone with a Horus type LCD. So I, I think the Jumper T16 was the first of its kind in this form factor with the bottom display. Yeah, and um, but it wasn't just a Horus clone. It wasn't a, a X9D yes, clone. Sure, it, uh, from, from the layout, it was a X9D clone, but from the hardware, it was Horus hardware in the X9D case, basically. Well, yeah, Futaba case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember and, which model it is, but it is just basically a Futaba case. <laughs> yeah, told. okay, sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I was really skeptical back then uh, about the quality because the Jumper T16 was 120 euros or so with hall sensor gimbals, and it, it was even below 100 euros uh, with st standard potentiometer gimbals. And uh, actually, most of us were confirmed at the end from user reports that the quality was just crap. You had ribbon cables coming loose. You had uh, switches falling off or breaking off, and whatever. Uh, so much, so many issues. Then there came upgrades, and then the Jumper T18 and the Radio Master TX16. And on every iteration of this radio clone type, they got better and better. And today, I take my TX16S uh, Max in the hands with the leather grips on the side, with the carbon style housing. It looks three times more or just from the feel it feels like it's three times the price than my old tyrannus although the tyrannus were double the price when it came out it's it's really crazy how these uh how this market has changed in uh in the in the uh, aspect of uh quotes genuine radios and uh the clones of the cloned genuine uh <laughs> you know what i mean the genuine clones <laughs> the genuine clones <laughs> yeah exactly so I, I mean this this is really crazy uh, and uh, you said before uh, some people still like fr sky i mean i don't hate that company i'm not a big fan of that company either because of what's going uh, what uh, what was going on during the last years but uh, yeah i have the x light because uh, for me it's the best form factor I can use for flying quads and uh, for me there is no alternative at the moment. I mean yes there is the um, the TBS Tango, Zwei, uh, Tango 2 for example with a similar form factor um, that has its own issues and there is the Radio Master T-Lite 
where I cannot use really external modules because it needs a power mod to, to use anything reasonable externally. Uh, so yeah, at this point I, uh, I went to the original. I said it in quotes again. <laughs> but, but I think the X-Lite is pretty much original, right? Uh, uh, it's it's like not really a clone. Xbox controller, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. No, a a actually, if you if you take it by that, yeah, you you can't really tell because the Xbox controller has uh, two different positions for the thumbsticks, and the PlayStation controller are both down in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I, I was mostly joking. I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you could you could say they cloned the Trilogy Evolution, but without a touchscreen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's going to accuse them of that. that would... <laughs> Someone would have had to have bought the Tenergy Evolution to be accused of that. <laughs> what I like to say about the subject is that we get a lot of people who join the group to, you know, when they first start off, they're like, I'm getting my first AR Pro or whatever to set up with the 9 app plane. And then about a month later, they're like, I'm onto my fifth plane already. My wife is furious with me. And, you know, I, I got to have it all. I'm in love with this iNav stuff, but I need a better radio system. And, you know, I'm already spending too much money. So to tell them, like, no, instead of spending $150, you really need to spend $500 to buy the best radio system from FR Sky. This will get you by. You, you've got a very decent radio system with these Radio Masters or the Jumper TX-18 or whatever it is you'd like to do. But... Um, there are some advantages that FR Sky has up its sleeve. We'll get into in the protocol part of this, and but uh, you know, I would say that it does fit a need, which is if you need something that's a decent. I mean, well, I, I'll put it this way: when I got into, um, you know, iNav, we the only real radio choice you had out there was the uh, D nine uh, um, D nine X. D9, whatever, the FR, the X9D, X9D um, radio system from FreeSky. And that was, you know, that was like $250. And it, it didn't, that was a monochrome screen. But now for $150, you got yourself a lot of choices with the, the Horace knockoff. And so, you know, it's good and bad in both ways. So I'm saying whichever way you go, Mark's happy with his uh, radio master, so he's you, you can definitely upgrade it. He's upgraded that thing to the extreme now. I mean, it has LED lights and stuff like that inside of it. But um, I mean, the, the now, LED as lights as the going into the actual add-on modules, things like the Crossfire, because Crossfire gets a lot of attention. It seems to be like the hot ticket now is for people when they get into this is to get. A radio master or a jumper and they put a crossfire module on it and don't look back so what do you have to say about the crossfire modules and the whole crossfire um well plus i'd just like to address a couple of points um you were mentioning the radio master um and to be honest when a lot of people come on the group and uh, if you turn your screen on mark yeah <laughs> screen share <laughs> yeah well, turned your mic on mark <laughs> uh, i didn't i didn't say anything it, just continue if i if i do silently put something in my camera don't worry i just show something to the chat <laughs> I, also i thought you were showing the group uh. <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah that, that's it's my the only LED lights you see i was saying that he's modded this thing to the extreme so you can see the led lights flashing inside of their actually that's the gimbals. 
that's the only modification I did because uh, the radio came this way. It, it's the Max version with the uh, CNC parts, and <laughs> there's a funny story behind these LED lights. Uh, there was some. Uh, there was a guy in the uh, Radio Master user group um, who totally freaked out when someone posted the uh, this LED mod uh, with a Banggood link. And he said, nah, that's all bullshit. This will uh, mess with your gimbals and all that stuff. And we had hours long conversation full of rant of this of this guy. And at one point I, I thought, hey, it's just eight euros. Let, let me order one and just put it in and show him, hey, it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> this this was the main reason for actually, uh, I don't think if I will keep it, but yeah, it's it's in there for three months now. So I don't know. Maybe I will replace it with the default spacers because I like I like it when the gimbals are a little bit lower. But that's by the way, in, in a really nice thing I like about uh, about the Radio Master. They officially allow modifications of the radio. That's a good point. I mean, the LED mod is not allowed because you have to solder to the uh, to the main board, but you can replace and repair and modify everything you want on these radios, and you don't lose your warranty as long <laughs> as they are uh, approved parts. I mean. Imagine and as long as you want to ship it back to China for repair, right? Yeah, th th that's the point. I mean, uh, <laughs> imagine your FR Sky Horus radio uh, has a defect, a loose switch or display is malfunctioning. You have to pack it, you have to send it over to them, and then you wait two weeks, three weeks, four weeks until you get a repaired radio back. And if something with the radio master is wrong, you write a few minutes with the chat and they send you a spare part, you install it and you are done. And that's what I really like compared to the big players. Or for me, I could drive 20 miles out to Brea and drop it off. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, so, that's a good sorry. point. Yeah, Customer yeah. service is, is, a, is a, good, um, a, a good thing to have. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah back, to where, back to where I was before Mark pimped out the screen. Mark, remember you're um, tired and you want to you stay quiet. Okay. Um, <laughs> right so um yeah i mean if, if someone comes to the group and says right i'm looking for a new radio i've got this sort of budget to spend I'll, i will always recommend the radio master because i think for the money it is the best bang for the buck you can get it's okay. um about two or three weeks ago now i had a friend's radio master here i was setting up on a plane for him so i had about a week to play with it and it, it it feels absolutely fine um and using it was absolutely fine um it's not going to feel like a horus um and it's sort of comparable i guess to an x9d it's that sort of level of quality uh the only things that i didn't really like on it were the screen in bright sunlight i felt for didn't really show up too well um and also i hate the jog wheel um i just find that skips all the time but for that sort of money I'd put up with it. It's, it's everything else. I mean, those things you hardly use, to be honest. When you're actually flying, they don't really come into it. But I, I would still always recommend that radio. If someone says, right, I've got about £150 to spend on a radio, what can I get? Because they'll get the most features for, for that money. And they don't have to worry about uh, ribbon cables falling out. I think um, that, that was a TX16S, right? Yeah, 16S. It wasn't the Max, so that they yeah. may have addressed it on the Max. 
Yeah, so the between the standard TX16S and the Max version, there's a huge difference. The, the jog die is completely different. The screen was upgraded with better sunlight visibility. It's still not perfect. I still sometimes have to hold my hand over it if the sun directly uh, smashes to the uh, on the screen. But yeah, it's a whole different level. But that's what I expect for a radio that costs about 200 euros. Exactly. But compared to 130 a hell of a lot of features for that money and just having two things that you have to sort of put up with worst case it's it's really not a bad investment at all yeah um but yeah the other thing that mark was going back to about um yeah 2015 was when the x9d came out uh so we have 2015 and 2021 and if i can get it on screen <laughs> you can see other than the shape of it all the switches are basically the same uh there's a there's a six-way switch at the bottom but other than that it's basically the same layout so nothing has really, yeah. really changed if so, i if i got that correctly that uh, red slider at the bottom of the horus that's the only thing the tyrannus and also the tx16s don't have right uh well this this is the uh x20s tandem not the horus so yeah this <coughs> slider is new uh this is like a six well it's actually a seven way um because you can turn it off as well um and it has two momentary switches on the back but other than that it's the same as an x9d What's that third gimbal that it's got? Third gimbal? Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen that. It is. No. Oh, is it the uh, uh, X10 or X12 or something that has the third gimbal? Oh, the X the X12 has a little jog gimbal here. Ah, uh, that it's one doesn't have it. No, no, this is just ah, a okay. push button. I see, I see. So, it, it, so the X20 actually has a few more buttons than uh, the Radio Master, for example, than other horror styles radio. Because the uh, extra push buttons at the back and the slider is uh, extra yeah. on this one. You've got those two momentary switches and yeah. that slider. Yeah, that's, so that's the, the only difference between a Horus or a Radio Master yeah. jumper. It also has a touchscreen. It also has a um, motion sensor in there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it has a gyro built in. But touchscreen, the Radio Master has a touch screen it's just not active yet because OpenTX doesn't support it at the moment um but yeah <clears throat> uh so right we were getting onto modules um crossfire right right yeah well, well, there's nothing wrong with crossfire <laughs> um it's it's a really good system so um i can understand why a lot of people use it and swear by it uh i don't think that um necessarily the the uh, bad blood between them and R9 is quite fair because um, R9 is again a capable system, works absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand why people like Crossfire. Uh, Henrik mentioned uh, the support he got from TBS when he had a faulty product and stuff was sent out. I've also seen Josh had an issue, something was sent out to him, he got it next day from China. Uh, at no cost to him so the, the the support you get from tps is actually spot on so uh, yeah a good company um yeah. you should also say like when you have a competition between crossfire and fr sky it's kind of there's even though my feeling is that um tbs is far better at multi-level marketing than i mean 
I mean, social Home media marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems it's almost like that, but no, it's uh, social media marketing. I, I just think that uh, Free Sky is a better engineering company, but they're not very good as far as online marketing is concerned. Uh, whereas it just seems to be like the it thing. It's like Apple was a few years ago. Everybody had to have Apple products. Uh, that's the way that TBS is. It's just kind of like the it product to have for the crossfire, but. Um, when you have competition, everyone benefits because what happens is it drives competition, it drives prices down, and it drives innovation. And so um, the thing is, is that you can't count on FreeSky. We're going to get into after Crossfire, we'll talk about what FreeSky has to offer. And while you might want to consider it, why you might want to spend a, you know maybe a couple hundred dollars extra to get a FreeSky radio, like the one that Darren had in his hands. Um. Yeah, uh, sorry, what was your question originally about Crossfire? No, I was going to say that we're, we're, we, we, I was just making the point that we had, there's competition between these two, and the competition's healthy, and that we're going to, you know, kind of go over all the Crossfire, why it's a good system, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, it is the it system have right now, um, but there's a lot of hate for FreeSky because in the marketplace right now, because um, in particular, it, the notion is, is that they switched over to a, um, uh, a something that is not so much open source, something that's a little bit more um, closed down system where you can't copy it as easy. So copying, you know, I guess the problem that they had was um, FreeSky openly supported OpenTX's project for a number of years. And they also, um, you know, what they got in return was they've got somebody stealing their radio layouts as we've gone, just went through. And then we've got other people who are making, um, you know, the FreeSky module knockoffs they put into their quads and things like that. So they were kind of like losing sales in both ends. So they decided that they, when they switch protocols, some of this is going to be locked down. And now they're somewhat moving away from the OpenT pro OpenTX project with introducing their own version of uh, something similar, but more graphically oriented, which is the f uh, um, free Frost. What is no, it's not Frost. Uh, it's the um, ethos. ethos. Thank you. Ethos system. So yeah, I mean, I don't really know how much we want to get into the politics of it, because at the end of the day, um, People should just use what works best for them. Forget the politics side of things. Or, um, but I, I understand what you mean about the TBS marketing side. They, in, in my head, it's sort of like if you watch an old school American film, you have like the jocks, and it seems like Crossfire or TBS have that sort of mentality, and it's sort of yes. like go team type thing, and everyone will stick up from no matter what. Right. Um, and we have seen like in the group. Um, People have had problems with TBS products, um, but the attitude is, oh, it's your fault. It's not the products. It's like, I, I think it was Wil Wilhelm had a crossfire module with an antenna, and it's actually designed that you don't undo the nut. It's got a cover over it. You're supposed to just be able to rotate it by 90 degrees to go from horizontal to vertical orientation. Yeah. It's called the crossfire the micro V2. Yeah. And everyone was screaming at him, no, you're supposed to take the plastic cover off undo the nut and then rotate it but in the tbs manual 
it said you just rotate it. You don't take the cover off unless you want to actually physically change the antenna. So I, I feel like there there is a bit sort of jock attitude with TBS, but by the same token, they do have good support. They make good products. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe that comes more from the quad side of things. <laughs> I, I just see more of that. You watch sort of Mr. Steel videos or whatever, you do see that sort of attitude in there, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I fly this. I like it. It works well. Um, it's got over-the-air updates. It, so when it first came out, it was the first thing I knew about that actually did that. All the receiver modules are... Uh, firmware is stored on here, so you just power up your plane. It automatically will update the receivers. There's a lot of really good things with it. Um, and if you do go for the whole ecosystem, uh, you can use like the goggle module. It will actually send back the, the VTX antenna um, RSSI, so it will actually change the power of your video uh, transmitter based on the receive power. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, cool things with it. Uh, Henrik's just mentioned the antenna thing was a certification issue. The antenna thing was bullshit. <laughs> I'm just going to say that now. It was about this. This is a semi-rigid dipole. Uh, that was where all the trouble sort of started. This is a dipole is a very old antenna design. It's semi-rigid. Uh, that's where it all came from. I, and Trappy has actually confirmed that. It was nothing to do with anything else. Uh, it was just toys out of pram over an antenna. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that path anymore, but that's my well, The question I do it. have for you about the Crossfire, you said 12 channels. Is it stuck to only 12 channels? Uh, by default, it's eight channels, and it does have 12 channels. It's optional, and I believe... Uh, there is a slight latency drop with 12 channels. Uh, Mark mentioned that it potentially is capable of 16 channels, but the latency drop is quite high. And I've yeah. also heard rumours, I can't remember who told me, that uh, TBS are going to update or make a firmware update which will allow you to use more channels, which... You can... Um, uh, that that's what I got from uh, someone who is very close to TBS uh, here from Germany. And uh, you can request an firmware that is using 16 channels actually, but it will, uh, I think, double or even triple the latency you get. I mean, for okay. planes, it's uh, it's not relevant any, uh, anyway, uh, but for quads, you don't want to use that. So the question I have for you is that when you compare that to the access is 24 channels is access really dropping latency when you get to those 24 channels um i've not actually done any testing but to be honest um i i think latency is a little bit of a sales technique or a sales tactic anyway that the at least for fixed wing it is so, certainly and but also i think if you're a quad unless you're a, a racer you're not really going to notice that much of a difference um, the, the thing that's more important, I think, is actually consistency of frames because your brain will actually adjust for latency. So mm -hmm. if you're flying towards a gate, for example, you want to go around it, your brain will sort of preempt that anyway. There's always some sort of prediction going on in your head. Um, so you can get used to latency so long as it's consistent. Um, but Crossfire actually has horrible consistency, which is why... Um, 
things like uh, Express LRS. Um, Chappy, that was Darren Lines. It's actually, there's a guy, I can't remember his channel, but he's actually done, uh, he's tested about, I think it's about eight different systems for frame consistency. Uh, ACCST was terrible. <laughs> um, Crossfire was surprisingly terrible. It's, I mean, it's pro it was better than ACCST, but I sort of expected it to be at a really nice consistent level, but it was all over the place. Yep. Um, but actually, uh, Darren, actually that was uh, already addressed on Crossfire with uh, a few firmwares ago. And uh, especially with Crossfire shot, that shouldn't happen anymore because it's synced with the, better synced with the radio. So that okay. latency differences shouldn't matter anymore. And by the way, uh, the latency difference on the RC link is so small, even uh, even as a pilot, you would never notice if there are fluctua fluctuations. The bigger problem on the RC link uh, latency changes is that the feed forward value, on, especially on quads, has to adapt to that, uh, adopt to that, because if you have uh, frame skips suddenly, then uh, quads can behave strangely and get some twitches in their uh, feed forward or set point derivative, what it's actually uh, in the background. So uh, this is the bigger issue than the latency you have on your controlling as a user. Okay, but you sort of agree that consistency is more important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but that's why uh, sort of Tracer, uh, they see a massive improvement in that because the consistency was massively improved. Um, and also Access has got very good consistency with decent latency as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, long story short, there's nothing wrong with Crossfire. If people want to use it, go for it. It's, it's a good proven long range system. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Okay, good. FR Sky, so we should get into that. Um, what... Um... What are your experiences and thoughts on FR Sky, especially now that you have the new tandem, uh, which that will work with just a, if you put the um, J, 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 JST module in, um, forget the, what the letters they are, X, XMT, whatever, it will work with all, pretty much every single receiver across uh, FR Sky has ever made. It will go all the way back to D8. And so work with everything. Yeah, I mean, um, when when I've looked at this, I've tried to look at it from a perspective of completely ignoring anything in the history. It's just a radio with a firmware. Uh, I love OpenTX. I think it works brilliantly. There's loads of stuff you can do with it. And I can understand why people are hesitant that um, they're going away from open source especially when they put a lot of money into OpenTX. Let's, let's not forget that. They put a lot of money and resources into OpenTX. Um, but by the same token, I can understand them uh, wanting to protect uh, their products. So uh, I'm trying, when I'm looking at it, I'm not really looking at it as um, a competitor to OpenTX or anything like that. I, I'm just looking at it as if I was looking at maybe a Futaba or a Spectrum. It's just a different system. Um, and at the moment, that's, it's, it's more a replacement for FROS, which if you bought a Horus, it would have come with FROS. The only difference is at the moment, there's no OpenTX version for VX20. Whether that changes in the future, who knows? Um, I, I certainly can't say. Um, but looking at it, it 
yeah, it's it is a good system. Um, I'm not going to bullshit. I'm it it works well. Um, it's not just for line of sight pilots, which a load of people have said, and pretty much anything you can do with OpenTX, you can do with EFOS. Uh, there's a few exceptions, or at the moment you can't use Lua scripts. Um, that's the biggest one. There's things with the way that global variables that work that is sort of different at the moment. But one of the things that I've seen over the last week is there's a GitHub uh, group for EFOS, and the main developer is very active on there. And if you come up with an idea or a suggestion or a bug, he's, yeah, within a day or so, he's on it. Um, I've already put a couple of suggestions through that are already in the firmware, and I've only had the radio since Monday. So it's, awesome. it's, it's it is a very active, you um, know, uh, yeah, firmware with regards to bring it up to date. and. What I really like is the fact that they're actually listening to RC pilots. People are going on there saying, I, I want this on the radio. Can it happen? They're saying, actually, yeah, we can do this. Let's, let's implement it. So that is, I think, is a very positive thing. Um, they have learned. Yeah, well, it's, that's the thing. It's, it's where it is the guy who actually, from what, the way I understand it, is one of the main guys who developed OpenTX. And he's been told, build us a, a firmware, he's just going at it. Um, so it's not like we've seen with older stuff, maybe from FreeSky, where, you, you, you know, like the the, um, the frame problem or that where people were losing multi-thousand pound gliders because a servo locked in position and it took four years to fix it. That it's not that situation. It's someone's come up, yeah, to, take me for example I came up with a suggestion for logical switches and it was implemented and in the firmware two days later so that and it's not just me there's quite a few RC pilots who are making suggestions about the way things work so uh, for example we can have multiple curves now on inputs and all this sort of stuff there's there's lots going into it and it it has a lot of potential so at the moment I'm only really seeing positive things and I'm not saying this to push the brand or anything like that. It's just my observations. If people want to use it, that's, that's their own business. Um, but it, so, it does it does look positive. So for a guy who is coming in and is looking at buying a radio system and you have, you know, you have on one side, you can get the TX-16 or 18 or radio master or whatever it is does the radio master i i've never owned them before does that have the crossfire module built into it no you you can buy one that comes with a crossfire micro module i believe okay. uh, it was an option just it came as an optional extra just plug it in so it's an external module you plug in yes yeah, yeah, there, there was a pack where it was bundled with the radio okay so Again, you've got, um, I guess the big advantage that they have with that is you also have the four-in-one um, multi-protocols, which Darren has a great video explaining how to update that from, um, so you can fly all your old uh, hobby drones and just about any plane out there that uses the cheap controllers, you can work with your radio. Uh, you can also get those multi-protocol modules and put them on the back of your FR Sky transmitters. But this one is different in respect that this is the first radio system that they came out with 
from FR Sky that actually has 900 megahertz built in. So it's not an external uh, R9 module that they're using, R9M module. It's actually built into the radio system. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Jumper actually did it before. Uh, they got the five in one, with, uh, but you can't use them both at the same time as far as I know. So yeah, this they actually called the series the tandem. So it has 2.4 gigahertz and 900 megahertz. And they're both built into the radio. It's two separate modules. Um, it, each one has an internal and external antenna. So um, I believe the 2.4 goes around the screen and the 900 goes around the handle, or you can use external antenna so you can orient them uh, as you wish. Uh, but the idea is that you use them both together, both on the same model as a redundancy system. So I've got my big extra up there. I'm actually going to, uh, when I wire that all together, I'm actually going to use that on that big extra. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice sort of, um, if one of your radio receivers goes, then you have a backup. Right. So what you're looking at then is if somebody is looking at this whole system and they can, I, right now, I know this is all fairly new and we're just getting our hands on it for the first time um, and it's just hit the market here in the last month or so where people can actually get their hands on it. Um, so, you know, uh, meanwhile, the, the, the stuff like the Crossfire and the Radio Master radios, all that's been out for a while. It's all been proven, but you've got something here that is fairly, uh, I say, compelling in the respect that you've got 24 channels and you got built in. And um, one thing we haven't even discussed is like what's coming out next is in July they're coming out with the same radio system, but it's going to have HD video built onto the monitor. So it's 720p video, I believe, right? Uh, to be honest, I don't really have any information on that yet. Um, I've heard from uh, my contact at FreeSky that it will be an HD system. Uh, it's a FreeSky system, and I believe he said it should be compatible with other systems. But that's all I know. Uh, okay. That's the only information. I, I know in the top of the radio, there is, if I pull the little flap off. I mean, I guess if it's compatible with other systems too, then this will only be uh, a Fat Shark, Shark Bite, but not DJI. <laughs> I've no idea. I, I, I would imagine not DJI because they're, I mean, people moan about proprietary, but DJI are pretty much the kings of proprietary in the hobby. Everything I mean, they do. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you could easily uh, check that to uh, by looking at the uh, RF receiver for the digital FPV system that is integrated because DJI has to have a full power uh, transmission also to work uh, because the DJI goggles also sent with the full power to the craft and don't only receive and if it's only a receiver module in the radio then DJI will never work. No, no. But well, it depends because one of the things that uh, is up in the top uh, there is a looks like a micro HDMI blank. So right. it looks like if there's HDMI out on the digital system, you could probably just plug it in and it will display on the screen. That's so, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, the, the, the sort of is that an, an inside scoop you have there, Steve? That's the plan. It was on their website. I mean, reading. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. This this uh -huh. is where I'm confused. It's it. 
it said that there's HD, an HD video system, whereas that's only an HDMI plug. And to me, they're two different things. So I think there's more to the story than that. And I have sort of heard that they are working on their own uh, HD system. Right, yeah. zero latency and 720p, I believe, is what well, it is. The, the zero you... latency, I think, is bullshit. I think that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you're, you're never going to get zero latency. Well, um, I mean, if they say zero milliseconds of latency, and that still gives them, what, 500 micros or nanoseconds or whatever, that you know, might I be mean, possible. I mean, if you if you measure the latency from antenna to antenna, then it's true. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah. So, anyways, it's interesting. They're trying some interesting things out. Um, but uh, how have you found access? I know both of you guys have been working with access modules. Uh, have on your planes? Have how has it been so far? Oh, I love access. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> the over-the-air updates. I mean, <coughs> if, if anyone's used Crossfire, uh, they know how cool it is to have over-the-air act. Uh, updates and if you've got a receiver buried in foam then it's really useful um, and and the fact that you can just change settings as well I mean if you're used to uh, free sky stuff in the past and you using fport you usually have to flash a different firmware with access it's just a ticking a, a box and it changes everything for you there's no need to worry about FCC or LBT anymore because it automatically checks what the transmitter module is and uses that. So there's a there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like access. Um, it's there's yeah, it's not necessary features. People are perfectly happy with ACCST, but um, the fact I got to try it out and use it, I'm I enjoy using it. So it's yeah, it's, it's not not necessary. It's not a necessity, but it's cool. <laughs> What about, I mean, what about you, Mark? I mean, I also use it for Orion now, so I have it on my uh, R9 system. But actually, in my case, uh, I use Asus, uh, Access on old hardware only. So I've upgraded all my old receivers. Um, I cannot use the full feature set. Like, my R9 receivers are no OTA, so I have to update them uh, still with the cable connection. My uh, RXSR receiver, I just bought a bunch of them because they, uh, I got uh, three used ones for 25 or 30 euros or so. So for an RXSR, it's pretty cheap and uh, it still works. But I think for the future, uh, especially for 2.4 gigahertz, I think I will go with the M plus and the, what's the other one with the single antenna? There's a very well, cheap, small the M one. The M plus is a replacement for the XM plus, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And then there's the yeah, but the difference MX, is which is the MM replacement. Uh, yeah. The, uh, wait a second. The MX is the replacement for the RXSR with dual antennas. Uh, MX is R9, isn't it? No, SX is R9. Okay, what, wh whatever. I've I've looked at two <laughs> at two small two point four gigahertz receivers, and I think I will uh, buy a few of them just for my quads to upgrade them. And for R nine, uh, yeah, they are. I will switch to the Archer series on long term. But for now, the R nine, the classic one, the R nine MM, just work fine as they should. So 
I don't see an urgent change, but for newer builds, I for sure will get the new Archer series. And yeah, as uh, Darren already said, uh, I'm happy to get OTA updates. Uh, it's so nice to have the ability to switch between F-Port and S-Port, because if I get a, a F4 flight controller, um, then I uh, need either inverted F-Port or uh, on the receiver itself, or I just switch to SBUS and S-Port uh, connection instead. So I can do that on the fly. I don't have to reflash. And that's especially useful for uh, R9MMs. I have to uh, update via wire otherwise. So yeah, I, I also like it and I had no problems to now. Absolutely no. I've not experienced a single face safe yet, not even on 2.4 gigahertz. I mean, I'm I'm not doing long range, but uh, with the just recently with the drift, I was around five kilometers away or so, five to five and a half kilometers away, and that was just with two point four gigahertz on the uh, X Lite, and wow. I was really impressed, and I had no fail safe, and that was further than I was able to go uh, before with ACCST, and I have not changed the receiver in the uh, in the drift. Interesting. Fantastic. Um, before I forget, there's something website Horus RC that has they came out with a bunch of uh, flight controllers back in 2019 that I guess didn't sell well. So they have one of them was they've got a, a few, but one that caught my eye was an omnibus that has an F7 on there and it has a built-in R9MM receiver on it. It, but it's you have to use access with it, even though you can flash it back to ACCST. Uh, people have tried and they've ruined the boards trying because they're so small. Uh, so you need to stick with access, but those are about $35 and with uh, free shipping. So it's just insane for the flight controller and the receiver. Now that I mentioned it, it'll sell out in about a day or so. I don't know, it is Omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> the the only thing I'm waiting for actually is that uh, we will get a multi four and I, four and one uh, multi module update that supports access to because it's my only limitation that I cannot uh, fly my two point four systems anymore with the TX sixteen S, at least oh, not the RXSR. There's there's a Free Sky X two protocol or multi protocol. I'm sure that's ACCST version two. Uh, yes, but my RXs are, are running on Xs now. Ah, right, yeah, yeah, sure. They are Sorry. running on Xs for my X Lite, so I cannot use this uh, at least these crafts with my TX16S. So that would be nice if Xs support would come to the multi-module. That's the only limitation I have right now. It's going to be interesting. Oh, also, we should mention that they just got an announcement today that the Matek F76 is being discontinued because they can't get 765 chips anymore. We're having a problem getting that. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a shame. Do you, has it been confirmed if they're going to bring it back afterwards or like when the shortage stops or is that just it for the F765? The interesting thing is they have put the uh, AOL marker on the website, but it's not listed in the end of life category yet. So mm -hmm. they have not moved the flight controller. So there is hope. Let's uh, hope it will come back. Because at the moment, I, it's you know the the most advanced flight controller we have. So it's a bit of a shame if they 
discontinue it before. Oh, but Luke, you're wrong. There is another flight controller in the market that's a 765 as well, also made by FR Sky that has an R9MM module built onto it as well. So, oh, I see. Yes, the pilots. Those are still <laughs> available. <laughs> but keep I don't in know, mind, I think I'll F with my F765 wing, thank you. <laughs> But uh, keep in mind, they use the same processor. So if the processor is not produced anymore, then FR Sky can also not deliver for long. Uh, it's so actually the a slightly different processor. <laughs> it's it's different. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I don't, it's not the exact same processor. It's got less uh, flash on board, so it's it, only one gig or one megabyte of flash rather than. So two. no autopilot. <laughs> no, no, RG Pilot will work. Yeah. Um, Okay. It's, just, it's the same as an F405 as regards to memory and that sort of stuff. The F405 has two megabyte of flash. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's the point. Only uh, F405 and F65, uh, F765 flight controllers with two megabytes are actually supporting autopilot currently. And even the old, um, the old PX4 I have with autopilot right now has only one megabyte flash and it's already deprecated uh, and they mm. say they have feature limited it. So I don't think that an one megabyte F765 will support autopilot officially. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, the first thing I did today when I read this message is order an F765 from Banggood because they are still <laughs> on stock and I need one for my uh, XUAV cloud setup. Yeah, yeah. I'm up right yeah. now because yeah. I'll probably be getting a few because until Henrik gets his way with the uh, H743, there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they still got lots of those. <laughs> uh, yeah, still got lots of those. <laughs> I I have a I have a feeling that maybe this will put a little bit of pressure to the INAF devs right now. Mm. Yeah. Because well, it, it, now it they are like really was... under pressure to get this H7 support finished. It looked like there the... was preliminary support for the 743 in. Uh... Uh, 3.0, or was that that? Did I read that incorrectly? Um, they are still working on it, and not all features are working. But I can have a look. Uh, Matek. Uh, oh wait, I have to enable unstable releases, of course. Oh, I didn't actually Maybe. look at the releases. I only I only looked at uh the release notes for 3.0. No, I just checked. It's still no uh, H743 uh, on the list right, for. For the release candidate, at least. But oh yeah, that's what they say is uh, H7 is available in the source repository and target hex files we release as targets mature. So yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but soon. At, at least uh, uh, in the past month, it was only Constantine, I think, uh, who has worked on the H7 code. But uh, right now, uh, also one or two other developers jumped in and uh, help here on some parts of the code. So mm -hmm. there is still a chance, at least, that we will see it uh, till 3.0 final release. But yeah, maybe if, if 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 they need some extra time, maybe they just push the release one or two weeks back just to get it ready. We will see. We're going through a worldwide chip shortage right now, so this is it surprised me it's taken this long for you to catch up to this, even though that these chips are made on like the worst nodes that there are. From yeah, the I mean, top. I imagine that the the global chip shortage isn't really affecting the kind of chips we're using because uh, we're using STM thirty twos, which are. Uh, I would have imagined uh, completely disconnected from you know the the high end uh, x eighty six and whatever CPUs, but 
might, might the be demand is going to the roof of these things. It's just, you know, there's more and more products every day. It's not just flight controllers. There end up medical equipment and automotive and well, even consumer products. So, yeah, it's uh, – and yeah, I don't know. I guess these factories are just only have so much capacity they can put out right now. Plus, I mean, also, I've been noticing the cost of everything is going up. I mean, uh, yeah. amazingly, even on AliExpress, things that were $15 are now $25. I mean, I have I have bought uh, a, um, F four eleven WSE flight controllers in the past for around thirty euros, and now I have to pay forty seven for the same wow. flight controller. Yeah. So that's a massive price increase. I thought that was just us, but it's just I think it's the cost of electronics, and I mean they were kind of mentioning this a couple months ago, like the cost of everything is going up, and they were trying to hold the prices back with Maytech, but that it's finally now catching up. So they have to pass the costs on to us. So yeah. I also, uh, because I just recently got a set of uh, Ghost, uh, immersion, the Immersion RC Ghost module and receivers uh, for testing purposes. Uh, and I talked to uh, the CEO for Immersion RC. And uh, he also told me that uh, he is heavily affected uh, two on this chip shortage since a few months already so that's the reason why uh, there's um, the um, how's it called the power play is out of stock everywhere it's really hard to get I was happy to get a used one do you know what chips they use do they use uh, STM 32s or is I have it no idea. chips I, I have no idea what they use sorry so I know um, that arm chips and those kinds of chips were affected I just didn't imagine that things like STM 32s and uh, 80 megs and that kind of thing would also be affected, but maybe. I think the the uh, Ghost system is uh, still in production. There's there's no issue as far as I know. It's only the mm. power play because of the video chip. I think uh, uh, they can. Video chip. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes they, sense. The power play. That's this external DVR. Uh, they can deliver, uh, but even for the Ghost, uh, he said the hardware prices went up a lot, the production prices mm. went up a lot, and he really struggles to keep the prices, and maybe uh, even our RC Link prices will raise in the in the near future. Mm, interesting. No, uh, it must be like the Broadcom module in there then, or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I, th I think the, 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 the main problem is because these uh, companies uh, have less capacity or the production companies have less capacity uh, to produce their main stuff that's mostly used, they have to focus more on that and uh, die down the produ production of other things even more uh, to get the really important stuff out. I mean, I think the our flight controller processors are not high priority for international uh, uh, products, for g generic products uh, worldwide. Mm. So um, speaking of protocols, you, you held up the ghost. And um, so you guys are going to have there's one thing we'll just touch on briefly. You, you guys are located in the UK. Oh, actually in Germany. Mark's in Germany, the other two are in the UK, and I'm in the United States. And there's uh, an outfit known as Express LRS, who the developers are based out of Australia, and they are not able, we're not all able to get on and talk to each other at the same time. So um, you guys are going to record a separate video with them and get more involved with them, explain the whole Express LRS system. 
Yes, that's the uh, plan. Uh, I've no, or we have no time schedule yet. We have to meet up with uh, with Wesley at least, uh, and then we will see th that we make a separate video about that with an interview, like we did in the past with uh, uh, with Andrew for the, okay. uh, the first time. So great. Yeah. So, you guys so we will have a separate. We have we will have a separate discussion about Express LRS because that's still a really hot topic, even yeah. in our group. Even in the group, but you also have ghosts, so maybe at some point we can move on to those topics, not for today, but at some point in the future and kind of discuss it a little bit more. You can discuss Express LRS, but um, you're have you had enough experience with the ghost yet to really? I, I saw you were just starting to use it like in the last week or so. Yeah, I've uh, not flown it yet, so uh, I just set everything up, updated the firmware. Um, and yeah, the Ghost is really, really easy to handle, actually. Uh, I mean, the uh, binding process, the the receivers will start in bind mode from factory, so I have never pressed the bind button yet. Um, you update the, uh, you install the drivers and the updater on your PC update via USB. The only downside that was, was confusing me a little bit uh, on the Ghost system was that the full-size module needs to be powered by the radio to actually update it over USB, while the small module that's back there and somewhere uh, for the light radios can be powered by USB only for updates. Hmm. And um, But that's uh, on purpose for some reason. Yeah, some uh, issues with the electronic if you power it on the uh, USB only. Uh, but yeah, like with Crossfire, connect, firmware update fully automatically, even faster in Crossfire. Uh, faster than on Crossfire, you don't even have to rebind, just power cycle the receiver one time and it's connected and you can continue. And uh, what's really cool is, because that's the first time I saw something like this. Wait a second, I hope my cable is long enough. Long enough, give me a second. <laughs> so what's really cool is uh, for the ghost there is this ghost hybrid receiver that I have in the talent 250g right now and if I show it to you so it's there on the side I hope you can see that uh, the little uh, white board on the uh, red, red socket, socket. Yeah, see, something about that I just really don't like. My my entire FPV flying career has been trying to separate the receiver and the video transmitter as much as possible. <laughs> and that is exactly the opposite, having them on the same board. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, I'm not sure if uh, that's because it is one bundle and because it is on the same board, mm. uh, they really managed to separate that. So you have... Yeah, absolutely... I can imagine they've done a good job with the filtering and that kind of thing because they know that yeah. they're going to be together and stuff. But yes, because... Uh, it just I feels mean, wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I have a, I have a, just a little dipole antenna on there right now because I have to order a, a proper... Uh, antenna with UFA connector I can put on the top or at the bottom of, of the plane and I see absolutely no noise from the RC link not even at full power and this small uh, VTX has 600 milliwatts output power the only downside and I was also talking about uh, that with the CEO or with Immersion RC is you cannot control it via INAF right now 
because it has a direct link between the receiver part and the VTX part, so you can only control it on the module itself uh, or via, uh, by the Lua script and uh, not through iNav. But, I, uh, but he thinks about it for one of the next updates because there is a separate UART pinout available on the uh, board itself. So he could use that uh, and allow you to switch between external uh, tramp control or internal tramp control via the receiver. So I hope he, he will do that because this would be a no-go for me, for this receiver at least. Great. Well, next time we'll maybe get more opportunity for you to test out that uh, Dart, the uh, Talon 250G, and give us more of a report on it. I know you've been flying that in the last couple of weeks. Your initial thoughts on that plane? Um, I like it. Like it flies manually. I had no flight controller in there, just a receiver. Uh, it flies really nice, but it has unfortunately the same issue like the ZOHD drift. Uh, don't make a full throttle dive. It will lose control because the wings will flex. Uh, as you can see, uh, this is without battery right now. Do I have the battery pack here? If I put the battery in, so I'm at full flying rate. Uh, and if you look at this now, Oh God. <laughs> and that's <The> only, <laughs> <laughs> so the rings are really flexy at this point. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really concern me too much as long as you know, it's there and it, it's fine in normal flying situations. I guess it's not an issue. Yeah. Okay. But I think I just realized I have a problem with the carbon spar. Oh, <laughs> oh. Maybe during the crash I had the carbon spot broke because if you look at this. Oh, yeah, ah. Okay, yeah, I have that's... to check that. <laughs> that no, doesn't look definitely... healthy. So Maybe did, did the crash happen before you did the full throttle dive? Yes. Or... Yes, ah. that maybe. So, so it may not even be a problem then. I think so. I have to check that. <laughs> I don't know. It's... It definitely didn't look right. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't look right, actually. Absolutely, I have to check that. <laughs> well, guys, I think we've gone over like massively, so we're need to probably wrap it up for now, and perhaps uh, we can address keep addressing the subject of radios. Anything that we didn't cover in this uh, and the next one. It's interesting. It's the first time we've had a show without a guest in about a year, and this has just flowed really nicely. There's a lot to talk about here. So thank you guys for you know, pitching in, and I'm glad like this is the really big time for INAV right now. So really appreciate your help and support in the group. And um, anything else you want to add before we sign off? Mark's looking very concerned. Uh, no, nothing from my side. I just well, I was just looking at the last chat messages. Okay. No, nothing in the chat messages. Okay. Okay, Darren looks disappointed. We, I, yeah, no, I, was, I was just looking, having a quick look at the chat. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else really to talk about with radios. I think yeah, yeah, okay, we yeah. kind of covered that one. We sort of covered that, yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. was this was also the longest ring talk we had yet. Yeah. Yeah. And we still got people watching, so it can't be too bad. Yeah, yeah. People are actually watching us. I can't believe that. They all I, fall asleep, and the stream is just running. Yeah. We started doing these. There were like eight people who'd watch us. I mean, and like, Mark was saying we had up to sixteen people watching us at one point, and then we're back down to about seven after a while. 
So thank you for everyone for staying up late to watch us. If you're in you know, uh, Europe and if you're in the United States, uh, thanks for taking part of the afternoon to be with us today. So on behalf of myself, Darren Lines, Luke Atabato. How do you pronounce your that last name? That was surprisingly good. That was surprisingly good. Atabato. If you don't say good. it with the Italian flair. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, it's Welsh, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say it with the Italian accent. Just not going to <laughs> And then uh, Mark Hoffman, who's obviously German. Um, thanks for joining us today. And catch us next month, third Sunday. And we'll have a banner up. Uh, we'll tell you in the future, like, we're the third Sunday of every month. We do the Wing Talk. And thank you for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs> thank you for listening to Wing Talk. The webcast is live the third Sunday of every okay, month, and, and this podcast follows shortly afterwards. Check out inavfixedwinggroup.com for more details.